show and you can bring up anything. Just dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the Sickle CAI toll-free line. Joining you this evening is Ian. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free, so enjoy those. Again, that is freetalklive.com. Shows about your calls, you call about anything, or sometimes if you email, we'll manage to get your emails on the air. But I can tell you, it's it's rare that an email will get on the air these days. I mean, the, the busier the phones are, the less likely the emails will ever get out there. But I figured we'd start with one tonight. Maybe I'll uh, dig through and dig up a few more as well. This one from Todd. It's about the suicide issue, which we touched on a few weeks ago on the program. And he's somebody who has kind of a medical background. He's a doctor. So we'd like to see what he has to say about the issue of assisted suicide. And he says that uh, since the issue keeps coming up, here's my two cents. I think there are multiple types of people who consider suicide. First, there's the terminally ill person who's suffering daily from a terrible illness from which there's no hope of recovery. Second, there's the teenager who just got dumped and thinks life is not worth uh, living. Another type of person is the one who's hearing voices telling him or her to hurt himself or herself or truly having paranoid delusions and out of touch with reality. I think we can all agree that the first individual clearly has a right to end his or her life. I wouldn't disagree that if you're uh, terminally ill and um, you really have no hope of recovery and you're only gonna your situation's only gonna get worse and worse that you should be able to pick the the date and time that you go out. The second person is acting impulsively and would likely reconsider in a short time. Yeah, I've 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 been that teenager that uh, thought that a girl breaking up with me when I was 17 or whatever it was was the most important thing that could I'll <laughs> show her. I didn't do, do anything, but I felt that for a moment. And I time think gave I, you a little perspective. Yeah, a lot of perspective. Like we, I don't remember her at all. <laughs> what was her name again? <laughs> right, it's like that. Do we have the right to restrain that person and prevent them from self harm since he or she is likely not thinking clearly at that moment? Who decides? I don't know. Uh, I don't. (laughs) Yeah, it is a good question. I mean, if you're talking about somebody that you care about going through a tough time and wanting to kill themselves and you've told them and for whatever reason you found out about it and you've done your best to persuade them to say, hey, look, you know, this is going to pass. It's you're feeling emotional. You're feeling uh, terrible right now. But later on, it's going to be different. Trust me, just. Hold out and you'll be okay. And you're trying to explain to them that life is worth living and you've, you've given them all the logical explanations you can, but they're still emotional and they still want to end their own life. Uh, yeah, I like your question, Dale. Who decides? Who's, whose decision is this and, and who's responsible? I mean, if, well, you, if you restrain somebody's freedom, you know, put them in a straitjacket until they get a clue, that seems like... Uh, it, that seems it emboldens them in some ways too. Um, you know when you're breaking up a fight and you'll, um, I'm sure you've seen this on TV and um, where <laughs> you're breaking up a fight, you got the you got the one guy held away from the other guy, and the guy that you're sort of holding to keep him away from the the first dude, the the, the more reasonable versus the less reasonable guy. Mm-hmm. You're holding the less reasonable one. The less reasonable one may or may not have been really itching for a fight, but if you're holding him, they'll do this kind of lunging thing Let me him. Let me o- him. over him to to, to bol- bolster their. Uh, you their, their position in the pack. Mm-hmm. I think to some extent you'll get that with trying to force physically someone who, you know, wants so says they want to commit suicide, um, who is just feeling down and uh, needs a little time for perspective. 
I think you might get that by physically restraining them. You mean they might actually go and do it more? They'd be more likely to do it. They'll they'll try harder or something like that just to to prove mm-hmm. that they can't be uh, be stopped. I I am you know I am not uh, you know I, I don't steer completely away from force. I I believe that there are times and places when initiated force uh, might make some sense if you're going to save somebody. You know those kind of things. Um, I'm not against that. I just don't know in this case whether it would work or not. Whether so, holding them back. Sometimes it is a cry for attention, so maybe that's exactly what they want you to do is just show that you care about them and that, you know, that there's a problem. And and I think the only people, the people who know that best are the people who know the person the best and who care about the person, so. Right. Yeah. Uh, Steve, you've got a comment on this, 800-259-9231. And, of course, it could be a situation like you once brought up, Mark, with uh, somebody about to accidentally walk in front of a bus, uh, jumping in and essentially initiating force on them to move them out of the way of the bus, because you are presuming that that individual would have wanted to be saved. Now, of course, later on, you might find out otherwise, that they had actually intended to step out in front of the bus, and and they're very upset at you for, uh, for saving them. There'll However, be another bus that comes by. That's true. And, you know, that's I guess that's the risk that you're taking as the individual who is initiating that force in order to do what you believe the uh, the other individual wants you to do. It's still kind of, a, I think, a tenuous position to be in. But if it is really a friend of yours and you believe that they're just distraught, maybe it's worth it. Uh, well, let me continue with uh, Todd's email. He says, finally, the person with profound mental illness is suffering from a disease like any other disease. Can we try to fix them? It's complicated. As a doctor, I see many medical conditions which cause people to not think rationally. Low blood sugar, head injuries, infections, lack of oxygen, and other electrolyte abnormalities are common examples. I have had to restrain both chemically and physically people with these conditions in order to give them medical care. It wouldn't have been fair to allow them to thrash about and eventually die when forcing treatment would allow them to come back to reality. They did not consciously decide to suffer from these conditions, so I think it's right to allow them to make decisions, but that involves forcing medical care. Uh, that involves forcing medical care on them. Yes, I'm advocating initiated force in those instances, I guess. I think the same argument can be, uh, can be made for mental illness. If someone truly has a chemical imbalance in the brain which prohibits rational thought, should they be allowed to make those decisions about suicide? Before you hastily answer yes, what if they're treated successfully? I'm not going to debate modern psychiatric care at this point, but what if they are treated successfully and come back to reality and want to live a long and prosperous life? I think we've done that person a service, much like forcing sugar back into their veins, treating their infection, removing their brain tumor, or other medical care. I think things are never so black and white. Well, it, they certainly aren't black and white when you start talking about uh, you know people being crazy. I'm sure that there's somebody out there, likely they work for the government, that is going to call me crazy mm-hmm. because of my feelings towards uh, government in general and uh, it, you know the fact that it's inefficient and in some cases evil. They're going to say, "Well, that's a crazy position. You need re-education, right? You need to, you need to be restrained. You need to you know you're a danger to yourself and others because well, government's growing and it's getting bigger and you're standing against it. That's that's bad news. You you can't educate your kid this way." What about other serious decisions like buying a house or getting married? Or you know, you These mean? are serious things that are really hard to turn back from. Should we intervene on those decisions as well? You know, not what as you're saying as is a slippery yourself, slope? Are we dealing with a slippery slope? Yeah. Here? 
to some extent. Well, it, it, it's absolutely true. I have a friend whose uh, mother is manic depressive, and uh, the last time she went, well, the time before last, that she went manic, she bought herself a nice big new SUV. She uh-huh. couldn't afford that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what do you do in that circumstance? What did what did happen in that circumstance? Well, they managed to afford the SUV, but it was oh, a geez. it was a it was a crunch um, when it shouldn't have been, and you know it. Unfortunately, it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, the, the, it, it didn't last the way you would hope that a new car lasts. Todd says I frequently see patients who have a do not resuscitate DNR order. These can be tailored to supposedly meet a person's end of life wishes, but it's not that simple. I've never met anyone who wants to be hooked up to machines indefinitely when there's no hope of recovery. The right. problem is that when someone quits breathing or their heart stops, there's no time to sit down and think about the likelihood that this person will go on living. You have to act quickly, and that means immediately putting them on life support or letting them die. In the heat of the moment, a loved one or power of attorney often rescinds the DNR order, and the patient is in no condition to argue. It usually takes a few days before it's clear this person will not recover, and many times it takes even longer than that. I think it's very naive to think that one will have ample notice of one's own impending demise in order to make an elaborate plan on how someone is going to end it all. Thanks for the always thought-provoking discussion. I'm usually working during the show's regular hours, so it's hard to call in. Keep up the great work from Todd. Well, you know, it uh, it does show a lot of the gray areas in, in this particular issue. I, you know, it's it's tough. I, You know, as far as I'm concerned, people have the right to end their lives if they wish. And... I, you know, I, I, it, what if the uh, the young person who wants to end their life doesn't get better? What if they they are one of these perpetually morose people? Is are we better off for having that person still be alive? Should I be asking that seems question? Like a, seems like a family issue. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That is the SACL CAI toll free line. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line. Uh, It's 1-800-259-9231, and you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, And those features include the Shrine of Female listeners, dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photo, prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com and see what that's all about. Totally free. Shrine.freetalklive.com. SACL CAI presents this show to you. And if you've got a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections, you should get in touch with SACL CAI. Not only do they do collections, they also do early out billing and they purchase charged off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep your clients, too. SACL CAI. Check out their banner at freetalklive.com. That, again, is SACL CAI. So uh, I don't know if we really came to any conclusions on the suicide issue. I mean, this is this is not a clear-cut situation. Uh, I mean, we did determine that... It's a slippery slope. I mean, if you're going out and saying, well, you're, you're, you've got mental problems, Mark, and we're going to intervene to make sure you don't hurt yourself... Uh, 
Well, who says that Mark has mental problems? Like you were saying, Mark, maybe you just see things a little differently than other people do. So at what point do you draw the line? And as you pointed out, Dale, who decides? I, I don't, I've concluded I don't trust the state to decide. No <laughs> doubt about that. That much I can assure you, but the state is going to be the one that uh, endorses the, the violence upon you. If somebody is going to put you in a room for your safekeeping, it's going to be the state that uh, endorses that. that they're, you know, they're, they're going to have to have the power of the state behind them to they correct you or uh, institutionalize you in some way, or and that's what's going to have to happen in order to stop someone from committing suicide. Well, I mean, what about what about in an, uh, a situation where there is no state? Uh, what what could we have then? One of my producers suggested some sort of a identification card that has specifics on it as far as what uh, what one is to do in in situations of uh, suicide. Uh, that's a possibility, but is everybody going to have an ID card like that? I, I don't know. Is suicide that big of a problem to where people will be thinking about doing things like that? Not Probably not. I, I heard an empowering position. I'm not going to say I agree with this because I don't think I do. But to me it was empowering and it was uh, put on the BBS one, one time by uh, you know, one of our supporters, uh, one of our ampers, uh, Alex mm-hmm. Libman. And he said that there's no such thing as mental illness. Period, flat out, no such thing as mental illness. Just everyone has a different perspective? Everyone has a different perspective, and some deviate more from the norm than others. Okay. Um, And to me, that's a pretty empowering place to come from for for somebody who might otherwise be called nuts, and all of their decisions suck. Um, There was a guy in Sarasota. His name was Mike. Uh, He was a black man who walked around with his shirt off constantly and lived in an alleyway. Okay. (laughs) Now, by he didn't get away with that in Florida. <laughs> muttered to himself and picked up cigarettes off the ground and smoked them. And, you know, like, he, yeah. he was about as nuts as you could come up with, right? <laughs> <laughs> and certainly, um, if Mike took his medication, life was better for him in some ways. Hmm. But it perhaps... Did he say his life was better? Uh, per- perhaps better for him. Okay. Um, now... But then once he he does take the medication, then he's, well, he's on the street and smoking cigarette butts that he's found on the ground and realizes it. And what about Leatherman and Keen? Yeah, but I don't know. I don't I haven't met Leatherman, but he's. Uh, I have seen him walking down the street, and he amuses me. Just to Leatherman, look at him. Uh, we need to describe. Dale, can you uh, explain to the I, listeners who he I is? I will, but it, it'll be a little bit secondhand because I believe I heard about him from you. So oh, but you've never but seen him. I've seen him. Yes. Oh, okay. I well, have seen him, but I heard the story from you. I believe. Uh, as I understand it, he has one outfit. And it's it's an interesting outfit. Let's yeah, just yeah. put it that way. A lot of tassels, uh, and <laughs> it doesn't cover his thighs very well. No, I mean, no. he, he's not obscene or anything like that. But, but he, he is. It, his uh, his thighs themselves are obscene. It, a little bit because he's a big. He's yeah. a six foot one, very long haired man with a beard, and like the hair doesn't stop on his head. It's just everywhere on him. So. Yeah. As I understand it, he camps out outside of town. Yeah, he lives uh, in the woods basically. He yeah. Lives in the woods uh, all through the year. And he's in that same outfit in the dead of winter in New Hampshire winters. So I don't know. Uh, that's that's bordering <laughs> a little bit on what he's some people would call crazy else right now. I can assure you. <laughs> he, he may not go out in it because it's not his very best, but he is wearing something yeah. else. Um, so you you look at these guys who are at the extreme of the uh, the circumstance, and you know, obviously people that I would call crazy, but. I, you know, who am I to tell these guys to to live differently? And well, you know, wh- what what I, am I going? To, you know, what sort of force am I going to do to? Um, I, I think that's a judgment to, to call. Them, you know, yeah, we it, all it, have to make a judgment call. And uh, when, you know, I'm not going to say like all the time. You know, like you talked about jumping out and pushing someone out of the way of a bus. 
that's not, you know, so that is technically an initiation of force, but it's also, you know, in the heat of the moment, you have to do something right then, and then if you've upset the person, you try and resolve things later. You know, you have to make a yeah, decision. Yeah, I think you could be held so, liable. I mean, if you're yeah. using force on somebody to treat them, it, you believe that they're sick and you believe they need treatment, you could be held liable for doing something against that individual's wishes. If they weren't able to express their wishes to you at that time, then you could be held liable later on down the line. So you'd be taking a risk in doing something like that, I would think. Um, and also, uh, you would also possibly be liable for whatever the costs are involved. I mean, if I didn't consent to that, to that treatment, how can I be held liable for it? If you wanted to force treatment upon me, then it should be your responsibility to recoup those costs. Now, if I feel like paying it, then okay. But if it was something I didn't want, then I certainly shouldn't owe for that service. Well, and, and you know, that then you get into sort of we need the state um, scenario because people that are in mentally ill require certain uh, services. So therefore, you know, since uh, they shouldn't be liable for them, then in fact we need an organization that does a uh, charitable has, organization. Has everyone uh, pay for them. Oh, I I agree with you, but I mean, you, I, I know that it's used to justify the state. I, I think the thing is, like in the real world, there are consequences for all your decisions. If I decide to imagine no state, we're out in an island and it's relatively barbaric. If I go and kill someone from another tribe, there's a, a, a tremendous possibility of retribution. I mean, normally actions have consequences. Without the state, there's there's you know there's just there are things discouraging certain behavior because you know if you're if you're trying to get along peacefully with other people you don't you know you typically don't initiate violence because it upsets other people and so I think when you're deciding for instance to intervene on someone's behalf for whatever reason and you decide to use violence for it it's hopefully it's a judgment that has that's tempered by the fact that there will be consequences and uh, you might upset someone else who disagrees with you. And and so I think there are checks and balances in the real world that get disrupted by this arbitrary, ultra-powerful state. So, you know. I, I, I don't disagree. And, and any kind of initiated force really does uh, – it, it res- results in a bunch of problems. Now, you know, I, I – I think that uh, in the case of uh, you know somebody getting hit by a bus, uh, I think you uh, you know should. Uh, I I wouldn't say I would. you're obligated, <laughs> but you should try to save that person if it looks like it's uh, something where they're um, mm-hmm. you know it, it's accidental or something like that. I also think that you should do what you can to stop a you know whiny teenager who wants to kill themselves over their girlfriend. But I'll I'll tell you, it gets annoying. I don't want to listen to you talk to, about your problems, uh, about your girlfriend, for more than two hours. Uh, now, I've got friends that I will listen to these these problems for longer periods of time, yeah. but, uh, you know, I just I can't come up with somebody who I think would be willing to kill themselves, um, in my mind, over somebody of the opposite sex that I would, you know, I just, yuck. I don't want to hear that. Maybe they should be allowed to self, self-select themselves out of the population. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Obviously, this is something that each individual is going to have to decide for themselves, and if you do decide to intervene, it could be a little risky for you. I think that's at least the way it should be. Uh, So if you want to take that risk, that would be up to you. More coming up. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. Are you moving to New Hampshire for the Free State Project? Maybe you are already here and need to find a place to call your own. Mark Warden, the Porcupine Realtor, will help you find the perfect property. Do you want a home with 50 acres of land? How about an income-producing building? Perhaps a cabin on a lake or a condo in an urban area. Invest in liberty and property. Contact Mark Warden, Porcupine Realtor. See his banner ad at freetalklive.com. 
This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Just dial the toll-free number 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. I'm Dale. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those, and the, including the archives. There are over a year's worth of archives right there on the site. Uh, you just grab them up totally free. freetalklive.com. Uh, in addition to that, you need to know about Bureaucrash. Bureaucrash is where you go if you want to get involved with other young liberty lovers from across the country. Specifically, their new site, Bureaucrash Social. But you can join Bureaucrash and help, uh, help us fight statism in all its forms at Bureaucrash.com. Also, be sure to check out our pro-freedom t-shirts and other swag at our contraband store so you can quite literally wear your beliefs on your sleeve. That's Bureaucrash.com. We go to your phone calls. Dave is on the line in Athens, Ohio. Listening to WAIS. Hello, Dave. Hi, guys. Hey. Um, the yes. police now no longer force you, like in suicide or crisis situations, like they won't come in, guns drawn, ready to fire, and say, drop the weapon or we'll shoot. They'll talk you down. And I don't think when, police when have been. When did this change? Because I think we read a story uh, less than a year ago of a gentleman who got, like, his house was burned down and he was uh, smoked dead um, over this. Well, um, I think I told you about this once, but back in 1997, I believe it was, in Memphis, there was a lady who was dealing with mental episode and she either took something from a storm. And um, she had a gun, and she was suicidal. Mm-hmm. And she, the cops came, and they're yelling at her, put the gun down, put the gun down now. Put the gun down! Yeah, and she refused, so a cop went, shot her dead. That's crazy. Yeah, and the Memphis police felt very bad about this. Oh, I bet they did. So they decided to start the CIT team. What's that stand for? Crisis intervention team. Well, so where they use uh, tactics a little softer than shooting the person? Is yeah. that what you're saying? Well, that's yeah. good. I mean, if that's true for, uh, for... I hope that becomes true for more police departments because that doesn't seem to be a way to solve the problem of suicide is have the, uh, the SWAT team show up and take out the, the individual in question. Sometimes in that's a, 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 a type Athens, of suicide, too. Suicide by cop. Yeah. In Athens, where I live, we have an excellent CIT team. Very good. Dave, thanks for the update. Appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. I didn't realize it was standard policy to just yell at and frighten the the suicide person, who who it is that is threatening suicide, to uh, intimidate them and scare them. I don't know if that's the way I would approach it. You're dealing with somebody with a gun. If they've got to point it on themselves, it's only 90-degree turn until it's pointed on you. I guess. I mean, they're dealing with a person with a weapon. Yeah, but they're not threatening anybody else's lives. I mean, so if they turn it on you, then that's so, reason to shoot, I guess. If she, but if they don't, right? Well, I mean, then you're <laughs> then you're dealing with a quick quick draw situation. Um, you know, who's going to be faster? You know, pointing the, the your gun at the, is that going to help pointing your weapon at a woman uh, while she's uh, you know holding the weapon on herself? That's the only way I'm going to feel comfortable uh, yeah. dealing with her is I'm holding a gun on her on some you know some woman I've never met before. How do I know she's not going to just turn? Uh, guns are the great equalizer. I know I know well, you're not everybody's not everybody that's going to commit suicide has guns, but yes, I'm talking about the person who's going to commit suicide yeah. who does have a gun. Right. 
That's what I'm talking about. Let's go. I've seen cops uh, shoot people with knives. I've you know seen those stories. So. To the amp line, who's this? You're on the air, on screen call. Hey, this is Dan in Pennsylvania. Dan, what's on your mind tonight? Well, I had an idea for a compromise between those people who believe that we need a minimal state and those of us who believe that we really don't need any at all. But um, first of all, I had a correction for you. Last night you were talking about um, an author, Hans Hermann Hoppe. Hoppe? Yes, he's German. Ah, okay. And Mark, when you mentioned that, or the article mentioned that, he believes that democracy is not a good system. Um, Mark asked if he believes in, like he said, what, autocracy. And in fact, uh, Hans Hoppe is a anarcho-capitalist. Okay. So just, just FYI. Hoppe. Very good. Thanks for the correction. Uh, what, uh, what else did you have for us? Go ahead. All right. The main point was um, there's a, an author named... Oh, crap. Now I don't remember his name. He wrote a, a, a story called The Probability Brooch. Are any of you familiar with that? L. Neil Smith? Yes. Okay. And in that story, there was an alternate America, you know, sort of an alternate timeline that had a system of government that I think would satisfy both the minarchists and the anarchists. Now, this is, you know, not a serious proposal about something that could be implemented, but sort of a theoretical just for fun. Uh, all right. Thing. Let's hear it. But, okay. The, the idea is... Anyone that has a vote in the assembly, or they pay somebody else to be a delegate for them, and the fees or the income of the government is collected from the fees paid to the delegates, and the assembly has to vote, you know, 90% or higher on, um, you know, on any on any of their policies. So the result is that. You know, first of all, like like Mark was suggesting, it takes a supermajority to get things done. But also, since the only income is you pay if you want to vote, then they can't, you know, raise the price too high because then people just won't show up to vote and they won't make any money. And I think something like that combined with maybe a right to secession, that might be a good transitional phase for those who are so enamored with democracy that they think they need a democratic process, but at the same time wouldn't necessarily be – a legal system that binds everybody within its jurisdiction to their uh, to their diktats. So you're talking about essentially an anarcho-capitalist or voluntarist world wherein there are some people who can consent to their own government? Yeah. Um, yeah, as long as that sounds, government isn't forcing its way right, upon me. It's if fine. it's not an authoritarian monopoly, then it, then it essentially is anarchy. Well, so it's now, still it can be a government, but it's not the only one and only government that has power over everyone, and you, you have no choice about it. What would this uh, assembly uh, govern? Well, that that's why I was thinking that this could be a good compromise because it it does have a general fund which the assembly could vote for. You know the uses of the general fund. Um, most likely, since you can't do anything without almost everybody agreeing on it, it would just be in cases of crises where you have, you have some sort of an invasion or maybe there's a, a big problem in a given area and they could deploy a, uh, you know, a, a police force, not necessarily a public police force, but a, um, you know, a team hired by the government for, for that purpose. 
But it then, sounds to me, uh, you know, like it would be still far, far more inefficient than the uh, the marketplace responding to whatever the problem might be. And, oh. and if, if people are free to make that choice, then that's great because then the marketplace uh, and, and the actors in the marketplace could self-organize and respond quite quickly and efficiently and just put the government people to shame. And then people would start asking themselves, why absolutely. am I going and voting in this? Why am I paying for this? Why am I supporting this? And then they can drop out anytime they want, right? Yeah, and, and th- this is my question. My question is to Mark, representing the minarchist faction here. If <laughs> since the government theoretically has the um, the right to, or or rather, it permits people to to secede uh, geographically, you know, geographical areas, I suppose, or even individually, then um, I think that what it would do is sort of prove the point to the world that it's you know it's just an inefficient bureaucracy and it would slowly just go out of business. But what I was going to ask was. Do you, Mark, think that it would be a good compromise, something that you would support as a sort of transition phase between government and uh, purely market society? Well, I'm not. Um, I, I'm not against it, it uh, but I, I'd have to see more about it to uh, know, you know, exactly what it would be doing. It's just a rephrasing of the of the old idea of you can have your government as long as it's consensual. Uh, and- oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, it just sounds like an organization that might be very big if a lot of people want it, and it might have a very large fund if a lot of people support it. And uh, but if it's opt in, then then it's not it's not government as we know it right now. It's and it's not. We're not talking about a you know. state. Right. We're talking about a big club where everybody gets to vote on things, and it has a fairly high threshold of uh, when things can be done. Ninety percent. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. As long as it's consensual, I don't have a problem with it. Nope. Just don't force me into your little game. 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line coming up. Bad news from Ohio. We'll share it with you. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Dale. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, Again, that is freetalklive.com. If you like this show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Enter Amazon through that link, and Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. Whatever it is that you're going to buy, you can feel good because we'll get a cut. If you start shopping at amazon.freetalklive.com, 41 categories in which to shop free, super saver shipping on a whole lot of items. That's amazon.freetalklive.com. Dot com and I uh, want to invite you to visit anarchyinyourhead.com. That's Dale's website. It's n- Normally when we have people on the show, there are other media personalities that have audio or video. But, Dale, you're just static pictures. You're a cartoonist. And it's, <laughs> it's something stuff. different. <laughs> yeah, it is different. And it's, uh, it's very unique. Uh, you're the first liberty-oriented cartoonist to move here to uh, New Hampshire as uh, part of the Free State Project. And so sometimes your cartoons have a New Hampshire-based theme, but mostly it's kind of a national... I would say mostly I, it's relatable nationally. Yeah, it, it, sometimes it is. It, I, I like to do some of both because I do like to um, occasionally touch on, touch on Free State Project or New Hampshire. Today was a New Hampshire theme. So. I haven't seen it yet, so I'll have to go and do that. It comes out twice per week, Wednesday and Friday. Yeah. And it's free, of course, over at Sometimes Anarchy. late, depending on what I'm up to. I'm kind of slack about it's it. It's at anarchyinyourhead.com. How can people uh, support anarchyinyourhead.com besides uh, going and watching? And- well, you can actually make... 
contributions if you want to do that. Another thing is just is to vote for the comic, which is uh, there's some rating sites mm-hmm. that rate comics, web comics online, and there are some buttons in the upper left part of the page. And if people click those, they can click them as much as every day to vote for the comic, and it builds up, and it puts us higher on the ratings and gets us better exposure. Excellent. So head over and do that at anarchyinyourhead.com. So this comic that came out today um, is about a man living in a hut that he has made out of his own boogers talking to a tapeworm that has crawled out of him? Something like that, yeah. Interesting. (laughs) It's an ongoing storyline, so you might not understand it if you didn't see the previous ones, so. All right, so I read quite a few of them. I I, I have seen the uh, the booger hut guy. However, I I haven't seen him talking to his tapeworm, which is uh, it's pretty amazing. Got some bad news out of Ohio. Uh, we like to bring you good news when it happens. Just doesn't happen often enough, unfortunately. This is in the world of the drug war, and this story's been brewing for a little while. Salvia divinorum will become a Schedule One controlled substance in Ohio. Ninety days. From Wednesday, that's the day Governor Strickland uh, signed a bill banning the plant that passed the legislature late last year. It's unclear how salvia possession defendants will be charged, but a fifth-degree felony, the least serious in Ohio, merits a jail sentence of up to one year. Ohio now joins at least nine other states that have banned the use, possession, or distribution of salvia. In California, minors are barred from possessing the plant or its uh, extracts. Although used for centuries by the Mazatec shamans in the Mexican state of Oaxaca, salvia has in recent years become popular among recreational drug users here. Smoking extracts of the plants causes a powerful, uh, disorienting 5-10 to minute hallucinogenic experience. This, by the way, from StopTheDrugWar.org. Young people posting videos on YouTube of themselves under the influence of salvia have aroused anxious parents, politicians, and policemen across the land who, seeing someone get high can only come up with a reflex response to ban the new threat. But salvia is not addictive and has not been linked to overdose deaths. In Ohio, the sponsor of the ban bill, former state representative Tom Collier, seized on the killing of a Ludenville boy who, uh, by a friend who had earlier used salvia. But even Collier has admitted there's no evidence that salvia use was directly involved in the killing. So basically, the uh, the states that have banned salvia, that's nine of them at this point, uh, have essentially, you know, it's the old, oh, gosh, kids are doing something that's kind of scary to us, and we are uncomfortable about it, so we're going to make it illegal. And so that way, instead of spending five minutes in a psychedelic zone, they can spend five months in a prison cell. That'll yeah. help solve the problem, won't it? So much better, obviously. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line. Are the the users to blame on this for taking the video, uh, taking video of their salvia trips, or is that just shifting the blame inappropriately to to the users? Well, um, if, uh, if, for instance, skateboarders uh, took pictures of themselves uh, skateboarding and sometimes having accidents and uh, that kind of thing, and uh, it, this is an entirely apt uh, description, but th- this happens. You can watch skateboarders have accidents or sure. skateboard or do dangerous things on YouTube. Should we That's outlaw dangerous. skateboarding? I was going to say, that a lot more people are getting hurt by that because there's no true. evidence of damage from salvia. Absolutely and true. They want to really, it. It's the fun police that are after uh, the mm-hmm. Salvia uh, folks because they, you know, don't understand it or don't like it for whatever reason. And uh, you know, I t- to me it's scary. I'll, I'll admit. I'm, Have you done well, it before? No. Uh, it is a little bit scary, but also a little bit mind blowing. And 
I, I think that th- things like this make you question everything. Which Shaldia. I think, be, yeah, yeah. I mean, you you come out of an experience like that. It really, I understand why shamans do it, and they feel like they've been in contact with some higher world or something. I mean, without a doubt, it makes it makes you explore parts of your mind that you've probably never experienced before and look at things in a different light. And I think that can be very dangerous to long-held belief systems of any type. Absolutely. This is one of the reasons why I believe that a lot of psychedelic uh, drugs and drugs in general are are made illegal because they could put your mind in a place where, well, frankly, the state doesn't want it to be. You know, they don't want you thinking outside of the box, and these chemicals could help encourage you to do that. Now, I've I've tried salvia a number of times, and I've tried the 5X salvia, which is what they do is you've got salvia plants that grow, and then the companies that manufacture these... uh, they concentrated, concentrate the actual right. extract. Yeah. They actually, you know, bust up the plants and they use some sort of extraction technique with a with a solvent or something like that to to pull the uh, the salvinorin A out and then they uh, they essentially coat some plant material with this ex- extract and then they they do it to a certain extent. So there's five x that's five times the regular salvia. Yeah, it goes fifteen 10X. times. It goes up to forty x. I believe there's some forty well, x on the market. Fifteen will do it. Okay, okay. <laughs> I went on, well, I had 5X for a long time, for like a couple of years, and, you know, every so often I'd try it out, and basically I'd get, I'd get the giggles. I'd, I'd laugh and feel a little body buzz, but I never got to the point You'll where... You'll have the shaman experience at 15. At 15. Well, I've got 10X now. I've got 10X. That might I'm, do it. I'm stepping it up, you know. I don't that wanna, might do it. I don't want to jump in uh, with, you know, both feet all at the same time. Uh, but but what was your experience like, Dale? I mean, we're, a lot of people describe like sinking back into their couch into some bizarro world. I mean, how how would you describe it? Yeah, I had a friend that said it, he felt like the couch he was in was melting, and he was sort of it was falling apart and melting, and so he had uh, he had sort of a hallucinogenic experience. Whereas I think like my experience, I, well, I've had a couple of them, is uh, it was beyond like what you could describe as any sort of visual hallucination. It was more uh, literally like not feeling like like in a, in a sense it's like you stop being uh, uh, this isolated individual in the universe and you just sort of you are the entire world for a moment like oh everything is, is nothing but your <laughs> thoughts and the, you know physical reality stopped meaning anything mm. at some point. Wow, I and mean, it was really just I mean literally just uh, you know it's like to- being totally mind and and physical stuff didn't didn't even matter <laughs> and time it becomes very distorted and it, it's a very you know the whole notion of time starts to lose meaning and mm-hmm. you come out of it and it's hard to imagine whether you were it, you know whether you were in there for infinity or for five minutes yeah you know it, it could feel longer than it actually yes absolutely was. and and one of the reasons why this has turned into sort of a youtube phenomenon you can go to youtube type in salvia and you'll be able to watch people do this drug uh, and one of the reasons why it's, I guess, so entertaining is because people act very silly on it sometimes, and they'll laugh and they'll they'll try to speak, but they're just talking silly nonsense, and it can be very amusing watching somebody who uh, who is sure. who is on this. And so I think that's why a lot of the young people started to uh, to record their experiences, right. put it up on YouTube. Well, I think that this um, that th- you're touching on the part about it. The reason that I believe that it's illegal, yeah, you, because you kids are it, doing it. It per- perhaps is some kind of uh, you know government government conspiracy that gets people to think outside the box and I, I'm not saying that it doesn't have that uh, that effect. This law that you know tries to prevent people from thinking outside the box. However, I think it's just the fact that it's scary. Drugs are scary for people. Look, for you talk- don't understand them, you mean? Right. Well, when you're talking about, I, I do understand them. The idea of my son Jack doing drugs scares me, Ian. 
And the idea of doing a bunch of drugs is kind well, of scary. Well, I think some, especially when it, when you go out of your mind, the way we think of it for for about five minutes, you know, a lot can happen in five minutes. And uh, we've heard mm-hmm. stories of people on LSD jumping out of windows because they I think they can fly. I know a lot; those are I think are exaggerated and yeah. very very isolated. Actually, I've heard but, that about Salvia. Oh, oh, really? <laughs> Somebody getting up trying to jump oh. out of a window, which you well, are. Well, I think that's out the fear, and I don't know yeah. how likely that is because, like, I couldn't even. I don't know. Some people are, walk around. I don't think they were as having as strong of a trip as I was because the notion of walking you around, up. I wouldn't yeah. have even. I would have bumped into tables and stuff. I, I didn't. I couldn't even see. Clearly, I had incredible tunnel vision. And if you want to share things, your so. experiences, 800-259-9231 of your thoughts. Obviously, we're short on time for this hour, but I'd like to, before we go out uh, to the second hour, I'd like to encourage people, if they're considering doing something like this, please go and do your research, do your due diligence, come to understand as much as you can about these things before you engage in them. Have a sitter. Have a have sitter. Somebody Bad who is, things can happen. Yes. Have somebody who is completely sober there with you uh, and go to arrowid.org. E-R-O-W-I-D. And someone who won't mess with you also. It will yes. be peaceful and quiet. E-R-O-W-I-D. WID.org for more information on things like salvia and other drugs. Hour 2 is coming up. You can bring up anything dental care in the UK. We'll talk about that too. It's Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You bring up anything. Just dial the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. As we launch here into hour number two of the program, it is Ian here with you. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. We go right into your phone calls. Uh, Still to come, we'll talk about British dental care and what one company's offering as a solution. Uh, But first, because you might have heard that they've got socialist dental care over there. Anyway, let's talk first to the ladies. Jean in California, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Jean. Jean, you're on the air. Hello. You are on the air. What's on your mind? Okay, yeah. Um... Yeah, isn't you guys are talking about salvia? I mean, I wasn't aware that people were tripping out on it, but isn't that just like isn't that a sage? It is a sage. It is yes. Um, is and a particular kind of sage that they're using? It's salvia divinorum. Um, I don't know what else, how else to describe it. That's the official name for the plant. Divinorum. Yep. Anyway, it's just it's indigenous to Mexico, or I'm not sure. I guess is that it's known for. I don't know if it's. I'm sure it's indigenous to Mexico, but it grows elsewhere. Obviously, it's uh, the Mexico. The Oaxacan Indians were the the people that made it sort of famous. They're known for using it uh, down through history. It's actually pretty easy to grow as a house plant, as I understand it. Right. So they've just banned this one particular type of sage. That is correct. It is now uh, in Ohio and about eight or nine other states. It is a prohibited uh, narcotic, illegal narcotic substance. So you can't have the plant either. You cannot possess the plant. No. Whoa. Yeah, okay. It's pretty crazy, huh? Yeah, it is. It's ridiculous. Have you ever that tried it? Make anything that's bad. You've never tried this, obviously. You're, you're asking questions. So no, I'm... no. But you know, I I I work with herbs, and I I'm just amazed that. Uh, you know, any, I mean, it's just whatever. I believe it's related yeah, to the no, mint family. It's more ridiculous government meddling into people's private lives. Sure is. It is. Isn't it just bizarre that a naturally growing plant can be made illegal? Mm-hmm. I find that offensive. And I'm sure God does, too. 
I mean, the, they consider, the whole, I would think the whole essence of life considers that offensive. I mean, if you think that there's a life force or a life spirit, you've got to realize, you know, how dare this little, this little minuscule creation part of me say that anything of me is illegal? I think you're spot on with that point. I mean, if that's, uh, you know, if that's the case, then it would, I think it's, you could absolutely extrapolate that government is anti-life. Government is, uh, you know, being anti-freedom in so many ways that it is, and so oppressive. It's it's anti-life. That's well, what the state anti is. Well, everybody else's life, but not theirs Good or their point. buddies. You That's know? true. Touche. All right. Thank you. Thanks for the call. 800-259-9231. Let's talk to Dan on the amp line. In, this Dan is in New Jersey. Hello. Hey, guys. Hey. What's on your mind tonight? Uh, I was calling in. You guys uh, invited people to call in with um, Salvia Experiences. And uh, so I was going to call in and and talk about that. Um, Is it still legal down there in New Jersey? uh, You know, honestly, I don't know. Okay. Um, I have. I actually have some. (laughs) I hope you don't find out the hard way. Well, I don't. I don't really care. Okay. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) uh, you will once they uh, come after you. Yeah. Right. Um, I I have some right now that I actually bought um, in New York uh, at a um, you know smoke shop there, Mm -hmm. and uh, it's like a a 10x extract. but I've only uh, actually used salvia um, just a handful of times, maybe maybe six times. And uh, the the first time was um, back in like 2002 or 2003. Um, I had read about it online and uh, ordered some from uh, one of the online retailers. Um, and I, I just have to preface this with like I'm a really rational person. And I realize any time I've ever tried to describe a hallucinogenic experience that about two sentences in, I just sound like a, a crazy person. Because it, because <laughs> it's, it's really so indescribable, difficult. isn't it? Yeah. It, you it's can't so put it into words. To, um, yeah, so difficult to, to verbalize that kind of experience. But um, there, there are some like, kind of common threads that I found, um, at least when, when I use it. Um, mm-hmm. I would say of the six times I've used it, Probably four of those were kind of a, a very hallucinogenic experience, and maybe a couple of those, um, like Ian said, I just kind of got the giggles, um, and you know nothing uh, interesting happened. But um, the uh, the first time I used it was, um, like I said, in 2002 or 2003. I had a friend with me, and uh, we went out to like a, a nature trail, um, you know, kind of like a hiking trail type area, and. Um, when I, when I uh, smoked it that time, um, I remember I, I was using a, a small pipe and uh, took uh, maybe one or two hits. And uh, almost every time I do it, I completely forget that I've smoked anything. Hmm. Um, and uh, apparently after um, after uh, inhaling, I handed um, the pipe and, and the wire to my friend. I forgot uh, completely that I did that. But as we were sitting on the edge of this uh, trail, I looked um, to my right down the trail, and uh, the trees, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, some of the really old cartoons, but where, the, like, the trees have faces and are dancing. Sure, yeah. Uh, that, that's what the trail looked like. You know, wow. The, the trees were very alive and uh, animated. Um, and <laughs> I'm going to have to try <laughs> that stuff outside sometime. <laughs> And uh, the uh, one, one of the one of the trees, um, the roots of the tree looked like legs, you know, stretching up, and the the tree kind of had a face and was like. So Mark, it's okay over, if looking... Jack smoke. It's just like a Disney movie. It's okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's great. Were they singing as well. I'm really comfortable with that. Were they singing uh, a happy no, little tune? 
No, there was, there was no singing. Okay. But um, the the tree kind of looked at me bending over, like be, between its root legs, uh-huh. if, if you will. Wow. And uh, I I said out loud, uh, it's just like the Wizard of Oz. And uh, the the other thing is, I forgot that my friend was there completely. Mm-hmm. He was sitting maybe a foot from me, hmm. um, but out of my field of vision. Um, and I forgot that he was there, but I had the uh, the feeling that there was another entity there, aside from the tree and aside from my friend. Very um, interesting. I, I just felt that there was someone there, kind of the feeling you have when you know someone's in the room with you, even though you're not looking at them. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's actually a common thread that I've I've seen in my experiences, and also what I've read from others' experiences. Wait, which salvia. which is the common thread? The the trees or the, no no no? The, the, you're talking uh, about the, the salvia feeling, goddess. The feeling, the, the feeling that there's someone else near you, even if you're alone. Um, really? The uh, a, Another time that I've done it, um, I was actually in my bedroom, and uh, the same thing, you know, smoked, and I almost immediately forgot that I'd, I'd smoked anything at all. And I actually don't even know if my eyes were open or closed. I was actually laying on my bed. But um, wow. looking, in, at my, <laughs> looking at my bedroom, the uh, wall completely was was gone and it was like there was a an open field outside my my bedroom and there was like a, a bleacher of people you know like stands that you might see like at a football game uh-huh. and it's, I, I there were just tons of people uh, outside there but it didn't seem strange to me at all were they observing you or just oblivious to you no no just oblivious they were just doing their own thing almost like they're watching you know a football game or something outside wow that is but, that uh, is amazing yeah, those, those are and uh, the the entire you know time span for these kind of hallucinations are maybe maybe a few minutes yeah. max. Uh, it, it definitely time seems to stretch, um, and it seems like a lot of time has passed. Um, but after you know after um, those hallucinations pass, you know whether they're um, you know closed eye or open eye visuals or what mm-hmm. have you, um, you know there's probably kind of a um, a buzzed feeling. Right. Um, similar you're, to you're still uh, feeling affected. Marijuana. Yeah, you're still feeling affected by the chemicals. Oh, those are yeah, those are amazing I, I, stories, and I'm glad you were able to at least verbalize some of what you'd experienced. I mean, obviously, I'm glad you survived it. There, I don't think anybody's been killed by. <laughs> don't do it around some. heavy equipment. I can tell you that. Well, yeah, you shouldn't be doing drugs around heavy equipment. Even you should be drinking around heavy equipment. I and mean, that seems like an obvious thing it, to say, but prolifer- I guess we have to state the obvious here. Pro- proliferated enough, and you will find that person. For all of the uh, you know the 15 year olds tuning in here that have never heard of this stuff before, uh, yes, this is uh, definitely a, an experience, and it is something uh, that's it's quite unique, and quite possibly dangerous, which is why it's always good to have somebody around who is completely sober and can help you. You know, if you have a, a situation where you might be doing something dangerous to yourself, but do you believe that it was worth uh, worthwhile experience for you, Dan? Um, yeah, I think so. Uh, I can come back after the break if you want, but uh, I, I think it's a worthwhile experience. Everyone's different. Everyone is going to react differently to an experience like that. So, absolutely, use a, a sitter if um, you're going to do something like that. And I want to thank. I want to thank you for the call and thank you for sharing that with us. We really appreciate it. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. You bring up anything. It's Free Talk Live. Mm-hmm. 
This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are free, including the bulletin board system. Over 400,000 posts. There's an awful lot to talk about there. bbs.freetalklive.com. And again, it's free. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. According to the Computer Privacy Handbook, normal Internet technology is the most comprehensive surveillance system system ever invented. You can put a stop to email snooping with an easy-to-use email alternative, privacyharbor.com, because normal email is not secure. You can go to privacyharbor.com today and get a, um, you can sign up for a free account. That's privacyharbor.com. 1-800-259-9231. We're talking about the war on drugs, uh, specifically talking about people's experiences with one drug, salvia. It, the active chemical is salvinorin A. Salvia is a plant. It grows naturally in the earth. Uh, it's something that was, I guess it got known by the Oaxacan Indian tribes down in Mexico using it, for their shamans using it to go on what they call shaman experiences or, or essentially a shamanistic journey of some sort. And essentially it is a highly hallucinogenic uh, psychedelic experience that lasts for only a, a few minutes, just a handful of minutes and it, some people have described it as far more hallucinogenic, far more psychedelic than LSD, uh, in a more, a more potent. Uh, a more potent drug, but doesn't last as long. So you get a three-minute, very, uh, very intense uh, trip experience. And for some people, it's been life-changing. For some people, it's been quite unpleasant. Uh, for some people, it's been fun for them. And I, I'm sure there's a variety of experiences out there. And I mentioned last hour, I haven't mentioned it this hour, Arrowid.org's great website. It's a real compendium of knowledge on various different drugs, not just illegal drugs, but also uh, prescription drugs and other plants and, and drugs, all kinds of information, frequently asked questions, trip experiences from glowing to absolutely negative. So you can really read a, quite a, a variety of information and experiences in regards to whatever drug it might be that you're interested in. And if you are interested in doing especially psychedelic drugs, uh, you should, I mean, even if it's not psychedelic, even if it's just uppers or downers or whatever it is you're looking at doing, Please do your research first. Please don't just take your friend's advice. Uh, go and do the do the research. Spend some time learning about what it is you're planning on doing. That way you can minimize whatever harm could possibly come from your experience. Uh, so that, that website these things again. Are, these things are dangerous, yep. and uh, the more information you have, the better off you are. Obviously, I think the best, uh, the, the safest route is abstinence, kids. However... I don't think that everybody's going to uh, participate in abstinence, so I think education is the next best step. So you can do that over at arrowid.org, E-R-O-W-I-D.org. And, uh, Dale, you were sharing with us during the, the break there uh, your first experience with Salvia. Now, the reason we brought up Salvia tonight is because Ohio, uh, the state legislature there, passed a ban on it, and the governor signed it. And so in 90 days, uh, Ohio will be, I think, the ninth state to make possessing this particular plant uh, a crime so people will be put into jail cells now to prevent them from uh, from experiencing this particular plant and i find that absolutely out absolutely outrageous uh, but the, all that aside we've been sort of discussing the more experiential side of these things but I mean, we can talk about prohibition we've certainly discussed it before on the show and i'm sure we'll touch on it here but you were telling us about your first experience and i said well that's got to be for on air so okay. why don't you start over all right well yeah, so I did the first time I did it. I had a couple of friends with me that I that I only knew them a little. I only met them a couple of times. You know, they're Free State Project participants, and they were uh, at my house, and we tried it, and it was in a quiet room with dim lights, and 
and they were very respectful and not trying to mess with me and in my altered state and everything. And so it was it was nice in that sense. When I know when the first rush came on uh, of the experience, I kind of I looked at them and it was like I knew them for hundreds of years. You know, it's like I knew them really really well. I'd always known them. Oh and wow, that must have been an interesting feeling. It was. It, it's like I woke up from a dream. Like like this whole life was just a dream, and I was wide awake suddenly. For a moment, hmm. and it was a real, a little bit startling and scary. Almost like you you wake up from a from a dream that was kind of maybe a little bit pleasant, and you wake up to reality, and you're like, oh, you know, this isn't, you know. Some, so was, but some then of the revelations it became very you can profound, have, you know? so, right? Well, <laughs> some of the revelations that you can have on a psychedelic substance can really be, in a way, frightening because you know, essentially, the world that you know is. It's, these drugs are showing you that not everything is necessarily as it seems, and maybe you don't really know quite exactly what reality is in the first place. Or maybe, you, you know, you have a different grasp of the meaning of everything. Yeah. Uh, you know, you look at things more deeply or with a different part of your mind than, you've, nor, than you're not used to using or Absolutely. something. And so it was a little bit startling at first, a little bit, uh, almost a little bit unpleasant at first, but very profound. It was kind of like, you know, when you wake up from a dream, you're kind of glad to be back to reality. And so in that sense, it was sort of... You know, it was like that. But then and, and then, like I said, I looked at these two 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 guys that I'd only known a, a little while for a few days. And uh, one of them I knew a little bit longer. But and, and I was, it was like I, I they had more meaning in my life. They were I knew them better than like my own brother. You know, they were that it was for some reason I have that, that sense. You did, know. You, did you feel like I mean, afterward, you had that feeling while you were on the, the salvia, but did you feel like some of it was held over afterward into the, the real world? I mean, do you, did you feel like you had a stronger connection with them as a result, or was it like, did it all just wash away? And... A lot of it did go away in terms of those two particular people, but that, that sense, that feeling I got of being connected, I think... To some extent, you, you, you try to hold on to that. You try to get back to it because you feel like there's something. It's like when you have a very profound dream and you're trying to remember the dream. And like you felt like you understood something in that, in that state of being mm-hmm. in a dream state. You, know, you wake up from a dream and you felt like there was something in there very meaningful and you're trying to get hold of it again. And to some extent, I, you know, and that's why I wanted to try it again. I think yeah. I wanted to try and re-experience that. But the experience is different every time. So, yeah. And I guess it depends on various factors. I mean, one of the things we pointed out when we've talked about psychedelics before in the the past is that the most important factor beyond your own mindset of of what it is you're intending to experience, if you're you're anxious or you're uh, you're upset or you're depressed or you're angry, you should not be doing psychedelic drugs. Right. And and, and I would like to say, too, the the third time I did, Salvia – People messed with me, you know, in right. my altered state. They kind of played jokes with me, and I ended up having a panic attack that night. And I'm, and now I don't want to ever smoke it again. So, it's, so you set know, and setting are the next factor. Uh, absolutely, you, you, yeah. you you yourself are part of the set and setting. So if you're feeling bad, you shouldn't be doing psychedelic drugs because the psychedelic drugs can amplify those negative feelings. Uh, and if you're around an area, if you're in an area that's not comfortable to you, if you don't know really much about the area that you're in, or you yeah, it will look never more foreign. Before, it will look more foreign. Right. Exactly. And if the you know if there's a lot of uh, you know, noise that's unacceptable, or if there are distractions, like, as you're saying, these people that were playing kind of pranks with you and, and laughing and, and, not, and, and not being nice, I guess, about the experience. That's not something that, that you want to incorporate into an experience like that. So set and setting are, are yeah, it's really not a party factors. drug. I wouldn't. It's not right. a party drug. This is something that, you know, 
you do it because to have this profound experience and you don't do it to it's very uh, introspective. <laughs> yeah, it's a very introspective thing. I mean, people have suggested that a dark room with you and, you know, one other person is the most appropriate way to, to do this. Or thing. dimly lit, yeah. Yeah. So uh, 1-800-259-9231, that's a number that will allow you to bring up what you want. Uh, various different states outlawing this. would love to hear from somebody that thinks that's a good idea. You know, we just don't have the drug warriors calling this show often enough. They, I know they're out there. I, I don't really understand their position. I know that some of them feel superior to, to drug users uh, because they don't use drugs and they're nailed to the X and straight edge or whatever. Uh, and, and I'm, of course, including alcohol in that. So I'd love to hear from somebody who is anti-drug, somebody who is in favor of putting people in jail cells or forcing them into some sort of treatment for trying these things. 800-259-9231. Your calls coming up. It's Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. The toll-free number for you to bring up anything is 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features, they're free, so enjoy those, including the wiki, with over 1,800 pages created by listeners like you. Just go to wiki.freetalklive.com. Get interactive for free. Wiki. FreeTalkLive.com. The Institute for Humane Studies is now offering free seminars over spring break and summer break. You may be able to still get in on the spring break ones. I, I've heard that they've uh, they were stopping applications, but they may still be taking them. This March, um, other join other libertarians from across the country for an intense and interdisciplinary exploration of classical liberals and liberal and libertarian thought. Participation is free. The IHS provides housing and meals. During the conference, apply now to attend a seminar at the University of California, Santa Cruz, March 7th through the 12th, or at Emory University in, March, uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, March 14th through the 19th. Visit libertarianseminars.com for more information. You can find out all kinds of information there, whether it's the summer seminars or the spring ones. libertarianseminars.com. 800-259-9231. Uh, salvia is a plant. It is now outlawed in nine states across the United States, and more, I'm sure, are looking at uh, making it illegal because people are out there uh, introspecting and having psychedelic experiences, and boy, we can't have that uh, in this country. Can't have anybody going and, uh, and exploring their own mind. That's uh, illegal now, so we're going to put people in jail cells to help solve that problem because it sure has stopped people from using other drugs. I mean, it, putting people in jail cells has really done a great job at stopping people from using drugs, hasn't it? Well, no. <laughs> no, it, it hasn't. In fact, one could make the point that uh, you know, the fact that these drugs are illegal gives them a forbidden fruit aspect and actually makes them more attractive oh, absolutely. to people. So is the government really trying to stop people from using drugs, or is it wanting to encourage it, or is it, does it not think that deeply? Is it just that the government people are so reactionary, they see somebody having a good time, they see somebody doing something that they have been taught is, uh, they've been told since childhood is wrong, it's wrong to alter your state of consciousness, uh, and they're just lashing out against them. I think that's probably most likely what the, the truth is. These are just people that, that don't understand altered states, and they believe there's something inherently wrong with altering the way one perceives the uh, the world around us and that's that's effectively what alcohol does i mean alcohol is the most popular legal drug in the marketplace and it is a, a drug that alters your state maybe caffeine 
Caffeine, that to some extent does, sure, and nicotine, I guess, oh, to a small absolutely. extent. Absolutely, caffeine will off, uh, alter your state if you uh, if you take you know, enough. Consu- of it. Right, yeah. if you consume three cokes and inside of an hour's period of yeah. time, uh, it, now different people act, react to caffeine differently in the same way that different people react to all kinds of drugs differently. Yeah, uh, I I would come unglued, man, if I drank two, three, three Coca Colas and inside of an hour, hour and a half, I. <laughs> Mormons ban it. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have really? any friends. Yeah. Well, yeah. Mormons can't have caffeine. Oh wow. Can they have nicotine? I don't think so. No. Probably nothing like that. I don't think they can have alcohol, nicotine, any, any, anything that essentially alters your experience. I mean, they're at least being consistent about it. You know? Yeah. Well, and if it's your religion, you're voluntarily choosing that particular uh, viewpoint. You're choosing to avoid those things for whatever reason you deem appropriate. That's fine. Uh, right. I have no problem with that, but I do have a problem with people saying they know what's best and hurting other people. That's what happens when they uh, you get arrested for having a bag of salvia or marijuana or uh, or a hit of LSD or MDMA or whatever heroin, cocaine. If you get arrested, and you get put in a jail cell. The uh, the people who wrote those laws and who enforced them can feel all righteous and sanctimonious about what it is they've done. They can tell themselves that they're helping you, but they're not helping you. Well, th- this is what's interesting to me. I mean, no. Matter, I, I understand someone being against drugs and thinking that drugs are bad and that people shouldn't use them. I understand that completely. I don't. I mean, that's not a far-fetched belief to have, but it does blow my mind to think that you're going to help someone by making it illegal and putting them in jail or forcing whatever. them into a treatment right. program. Even finding them, if someone has a drug yeah. problem and you find them, I mean, what? I mean, how how likely that is it that they're you know that they're I mean, think of the the money problems that the average person has, and then you slap a multi thousand dollar fine on someone, and I mean, you've impoverished them. You've depressed them. How much more them? likely are they now to commit a crime because they're Absolutely. trying to pay their rent or who knows? I mean, it's it's just none of these things are solutions to the problem that you believe in. It's just creating tragedy in people's lives. That's all prohibition has ever done, and yet yet we st- when I say we the, those who are against. Uh, using or, or altering one state have not yet figured out how it is that what they're doing in response is much more dangerous to people's. You're taking away people's freedom. You're taking away their ability to be independent. You're taking away, uh, in many cases, their money. And it's just awful what they're doing as a result of this. Let's go to your calls, though, about what you want. It's David in California on the amp line. Hey, how's it going? David, what's on your mind tonight? Um, well, to start off with uh, Salvia, they sell those at head shops here in California. And, yes. uh my first experience with salvia, it was the worst experience ever. Really? What was um, How many X was it? I, I think it was like 20 or okay. something like that. 20 and, X. Uh, I did it with the most unlikeliest person, my aunt. And oh my. Uh, we tried that, and I, I panicked when I did it. And then when she tried it, um, she saw all sorts of funny things. She saw Mickey Mouse coming out of the pictures. She saw uh, this box turn into a robot and just all sorts of goofy things. Wow. And, uh, I mean, it was an interesting experience. I wouldn't do it because it had a bad effect on me. But well, how, how so? What was the bad effect? Well, I just, I panicked. I didn't feel good after it. It just, it was mentally, just wasn't fun. I, I think it makes your heart race a little bit. I know you, a lot of people yeah. feel warm afterward, like really warm to the point where they, they, they want to yeah. take off some of their clothes and, you know. 
to, yeah. just to cool off. I'd, I'd like to also make a suggestion. Since we're talking about ways to reduce harm, uh, we were mentioning Arrowhead.org is a great research site to come to the understanding of what some of the side effects are of these drugs and, and what you can expect out of them and, right. uh, and learning about them before you do them. I think one of the other pieces of advice, be, but beyond having a good set and setting, something that's comfortable, being around people you're comfortable with, being in a place that's comfortable to you, uh, be, beyond all of that, and having a good mindset, a positive mindset about what it is you're going to do, I think those are the most important factors. But I think there's another important factor, and that is that using a uh, judicious, a reasonable, or small amount of, of the, the drug that you're planning on experiencing. So in the case of uh, Salvia, maybe 20X was too much for your first time. You know, right, maybe it would right. have made more Fif- sense. 15 to... was pretty strong for me. Right. I, I started with 5X, and, you know, maybe it would make more sense to start on a lightweight kind of scale to, to sort of dip your feet in and, and see what it's like well, at that why level. Why would that make sense? Well, because if you be, because if you, because he if says you, he doesn't want to do it, why would it make sense to do it? I'm not asked. I'm not telling him to do it. I'm talking to everybody else listening. I'm talking about the people that are considering doing this. I'm saying instead of jumping in with both feet into the deep end, you sort of test the you know test the waters first. Um, it, like with mushrooms, for instance. And sometimes there's real good reasons to do this. I'm, I've been told that with mushrooms, or it's my understanding rather, that with mushrooms you don't know how much psilocybin is in one of those mushroom caps. That you eat, so you can weigh the mushroom, but that doesn't tell you anything about how much of the actual active chemical is in the mushroom. You can right, have some very... could be stronger than others. Exactly. So yeah. you start light, and you can kind of understand, have a better understanding for what it is you're getting into. Whereas if somebody tells you, "Oh, just eat a whole fourth of an ounce," and then you know you end up in some sort of la la land that you didn't expect to be in, I think that it's, I think it makes sense to take things carefully and, and cautiously. And it, and also I think it depends on who you're hanging around. If you're new into the the, the world of psychedelics, then if you're if you're uh, experiencing them with people that aren't as responsible, they may encourage stupid things. They may say, "Oh, just take two hits of that LSD." Well, maybe you shouldn't. Maybe you should try a half a hit instead of two hits. And of course, again, doing all of your research beforehand. David, your thoughts? And uh, no, I I loved Arrowhead Org growing up because it strayed me away from really bad drugs and just kind of experimenting. I mean, life's short, so you got to try new things. Well, you but, don't have um, to. but <laughs> You don't have to. No, I don't advocate using drugs, but if you're going to, at least know what you're doing and what you're getting into. So what else were you calling about tonight? Um, I'm actually calling about uh, bikeforliberty.com. Um, <laughs> I know some guy did a walk, and uh, I'm going to do a bike in 2010 from California to New Hampshire. Oh, wow. I talked to and, you. I talked to you online. I mean, I left you a couple of messages on the forums, I believe. Right, right. And I got a website up, too, um, so you can go to it. Uh, hoping someone brought up a good idea where maybe we can get like more people and be like Liberty Riders. That would be cool. Else, you've got uh, enough time. Interest. You've got enough time to plan it. You say you're going to do it in 2010, so you get certainly yeah, have plenty I, of time. People can go yeah, to yeah. bikeforliberty.com to get in touch with you. Yeah. Very cool. Um, Will I'll you do us a favor, David, and let us you know keep us in the loop as uh, this develops? All right. Thank Thanks you. for the call, dude. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. Talk Live. It's your show. Bring up anything toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the Sickle CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. 
And Dale. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. And if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can become an amplifier. Do it over at amp.freetalklive.com. The AMP program stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. And the idea is you send in three bucks a month. We take it, buy a bunch of salvia divinorum, and get really high. No, we uh, we take the money and reinvest it into the show. And I don't we, think you're ever going to be able to talk me into doing that stuff. No, we, uh, we get on more radio stations uh, around the country, bringing more Internet listeners on board and exposing new people to the message of freedom and some uh, unique ideas they just won't hear anywhere else in talk radio. So if you want to help us out with that and help support the show you'll get perks too like access to the amp only call in lines chat room forum and more go to amp.freetalklive.com to get on board that's amp.freetalklive.com we are talking about at least this hour we've been talking all about salvia and psychedelic drug experiences how to be safe uh, what various different experiences have been for different people prohibition and how awful of an idea it is and how if you want to help people stay away from drugs you shouldn't be threatening them with jail cells that doesn't ever solve the problem it just makes things worse it just compounds people's problems in their lives so we continue here with your calls uh, let's talk to mike listening in canada mike you're on free talk live hello uh, mike to change the subject a little bit okay I heard something on, on the internet tonight to the, from another network uh concerning a proposal that would ban former military people from being civilian police officers? What the hell is that about? A proposal banning former military from being police officers in Canada? No, in the United States. It was on RBN. Uh, well, I, I don't know if there's any truth to that. Where is this uh, supposed to be a federal thing, or is it only in one state, or what? Uh, the lady was saying basically it was a federal proposal. I, I find it now, hard to believe the feds would propose such a thing. As a former military officer, I can't understand why that would be. I mean, I was base construction engineering. Why would somebody building sewers and roads be dangerous as a policeman? It's obviously a ludicrous uh, point. I mean, I, I generally understand where the, the mindset is coming from in that a lot of the people in the military have been trained to take orders, trained to follow orders without question, and so they would make... Uh, from the They've also been conditioned to kill. Uh, there's that. And from most the, of them. Well, that, that's most basically of them. what she was saying. They're conditioned to kill without recourse. Well, all right. And from the government's perspective, that's a good thing because that's what they want in the police. They want police who aren't going thing. to question. They want police who are going to obey orders without question and just follow them mindlessly. So I don't understand why the government would propose such a thing. It seems to be in their interest to have military members filtering down into the police. It seems to be that's in the interest of the police too. state. So this, this lady is basically a wacko, I guess. Wait, was it just a caller or did you hear it during the news? No, it was one of the people that uh, presents the show. Oh, well, then, yeah. I mean, if you're just listening to a talk radio host, there, there's plenty of wackos out there doing talk radio. And just okay, because that's somebody, what I wanted to hear, Ian. Thank you, know, you just, very much. Exactly. Just, <laughs> including the show. Uh, just because somebody is behind a microphone doesn't mean they have any credibility whatsoever. And I know that that's what talk radio hosts would like you to believe. That's sort of the mystique about or, talk radio. Or a badge, or a big black robe. Exactly, or, or a fancy whatever. hat, uh, a fancy outfit. Uh, yeah, just because you have an opinion and you have a microphone doesn't mean you actually know anything about what you're, what you're talking about. And it doesn't mean you have any, any way uh, in, are in possession of the facts. So whether you're listening to some big name show like a Rush Limbaugh or you're listening to some tiny unknown network Always question whatever it is that's coming out of your speakers. Don't just take it for granted. Don't take our word for it. Don't take our word that prohibition is a bad idea. Figure it out for yourself. Take a look at all of the evidence 
and analyze it and then make your own uh, draw your own conclusions. And if somebody makes a claim about something that is allegedly happening, if they don't have a source and they can't back it up, or their source is some rambling, kooky website, then, yeah, you know, that's really questionable. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. We talked to a different Mike. This one is in Wisconsin. Mike in Wisconsin on Free Talk Live. Hello, Mike. Guys, I'm so high on salvia, I think that was reason enough to keep it banned. I don't think you were able to dial it. You wouldn't be able to dial the phone if you were high on salvia. No, no. I was just actually calling to 90, and um, I'm only able to listen to you guys normally on the, the podcast. Okay. And uh, so I was at work today, and I, I heard yesterday how you mentioned that you were on the Tom Hartman show. I was for about 10 minutes uh, on a one of his segments live from a political uh, event that he was broadcasting from. And, well, it wasn't until um, after Obama won, I was unfortunately stubborn, and I have a 30-gig MP3 player, and it was just like, I'm not going to delete my music for, for Liberty Podcast. I can just listen to my FM radio. It will extend the life of my battery. I don't have to worry about all this stuff. And I would listen to Air America at work, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, and I, I wouldn't advise any of your listeners to do that. Um, <laughs> but uh, after the uh, Obama... Um, won the election or won the fake election or whatever, um, I finally just said, screw it. And I've been listening, thankfully, to you know you guys and Alex Jones. And, uh, I mean, Tom Hartman, I have a particular disdain for that man. Why? I, uh, he's very intellectually dishonest with his listeners. Um, you know, he, he, he tries to portray himself as some sort of um, constitutional expert, but everything he does... He does um, ways you know he's like oh the, the founding fathers were liberals well technically i guess they were classical liberals yeah some of them and, and he, he does these little mental tricks where he um uh tr- kind of fakes and, and leads his he leads his listeners down this kind of primrose path where the founding fathers i actually heard him say that the founding fathers were socialists once <laughs> he said that on the air and, uh, well, you know, that's just like our last caller. If you're behind a microphone and you spout some nonsense, and, and pe- people will believe it. People have been trained to believe that just because somebody, someone, just because someone is in the media, that it gives them extra credibility. And, and because this guy gets on the air and says, "I'm Tom Hartman, constitutional scholar. Listen to me when I tell you the founding fathers were socialists." I mean, if, uh, people will be- believe that. <laughs> Yeah, it's just and, you know, I live in Madison, Wisconsin, which they they call Madison uh, fifty miles of or liberal surrounded by reality, <laughs> okay. basically, and uh, and I, I'm surrounded by these people all day, and uh, I would just love to hear, you know, I wish Tom Hartman had uh, cojones to get like you or Lou Rockwell or Murray Rothbard on the air. Well, there's good um, news. Uh, I had mentioned last night that I, I didn't, I wasn't able to find the interview after after the fact, after it happened. I didn't know how to go about doing that at that time. Uh, but somebody has actually dug it up. Uh, James Olson has jug, dug up the interview with uh, me on Tom Hartman's show. It only lasted a segment, and I haven't actually listened to it yet, so I've not listened to it, but uh, if it is what I believe it is, I'll go ahead and put it up on the website. Maybe not tonight, but certainly uh, at some point this weekend, I'll get it up there. Uh, he says that you kicked some uh, booty on that. Too bad he ran away from you. I'd love to hear more of that debate. So it should be interesting. I look forward Yo. to hearing it. 
I mean, Hartman is he, he's a total intellectual coward. He has his talking points, but as soon as anybody basically confronts him on his logical fallacies, he, he, he runs away or hangs up or ends the interview. That's so typical of talk show hosts. There, there really does seem to be this sort of denial of, the, of actual physical reality with some liberal positions. I have to admit, I mean, I've, I've done comics about it, you mm-hmm. know, where this notion like you can pass laws and create resources out of thin air, <laughs> you know, it's like when you say, you know, that people have a right to whether it's food or shelter or health care or whatever. Right. If you, you write it down on, on a piece of paper. Yeah. Right? It's going to create those resources out of thin air. Obviously, that someone has to be forced to provide those resources. So you're saying when you say I have a right to these re- to these resources, you're saying I have a right to enslave someone else to yep. provide those resources for me. And, you know, they'll often uh, do things like, you know, passing legislation in order to make things safer. Cars, for instance, Mm. catalytic converters and and all these, you know, the the safety features, side impact curtains, uh, airbags and things like that, you know, that shoot out and kill kids and things like that. Um, You know, I don't I just wonder where it all ends, because each one of these little things until it crashes. Right. Each one of these little things increases the cost of a car, thereby making it that much more difficult to get a new car for somebody and thereby relegating them to an old uh, you know death trap uh, the fact is they kill people with these uh, these little bits of legislation you know and, and to be fair that's not just liberals but you're right i mean it, it, the unintended consequences of of these laws when they don't really think through how is this actually going to be made how are we actually going to carry through with this this notion yeah. like you said it's a good it starts off with a good idea like we don't want cars to blow up <laughs> with people in them and, and so they do they pass these laws but they have to be enforced Mike, somehow Mike you got 10 seconds for some final thoughts um basically guys keep up the great work you guys uh now instead of listening to Air America and beating my head against the wall of my cube I walk around with a smile on my face now so keep up the great work that's what it's all uh, about dude feeling good thank you for the call 800-259-9231 hour 3 is coming up dental care in socialist land the UK we'll get to that it's free talk live With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. Talk Live. You can bring up anything. We're launching here at hour number three of the program. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Dale. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. We go right back into your phone calls. Chris in Michigan. Chris, you're on Free Talk Live. Chris in Michigan, going once. Chris. You You are there, sir. Hello? Hey, you're on the air. What's on your mind? Chris in Michigan, you're on. Going once. Going twice. Hello? You are on the air. Can you hear us? Earth yes, I can. Thank you. Here you are. Go ahead. Good, John. Is the uh, suicide topic from earlier still relevant? It's, sure. It's free talk live. You can bring up anything you want. Outstanding. Good to go. Um, I'll predicate this. I'm a physician, but I'm a pathologist. So I spend most of my days down in the basement with my microscope and some slides. What is a um, pathologist? Uh, what is what is that? Pathogens. Pathologists. Uh, they run the gamut from medical examiners uh, to uh, physicians like myself who uh, examine tissue slides, uh, hmm. tissue samples under the microscope to determine uh, what uh, 
uh, pathology might be going on with any particular patients. Okay, that well, doesn't really help me very much, but because uh, I'm not, I don't really know what a pathology it's like is. Study of disease, right? Or is that too simplified? Exactly. Okay. That makes sense. Right. Okay. Right. Very so good. somebody, so if somebody has a biopsy and they send it somewhere. I'm the guy who looks at it. Understood. So, what were your thoughts? My thoughts are is, uh, and I hope no one else has brought this up since then. I mean, when uh, when it came to a vote in Oregon uh, back a number of years on uh, physician-assisted suicide, everyone mm-hmm. thought. You know, the sky is falling. We'd see all of, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of people lining up to, uh, to put an end to their lives, and it never materialized. And uh, it's been done well. Uh, it was well thought out. Individuals have, uh, uh, along with their physicians, there's a, uh, a time limit set uh, whereby they have to repeatedly come back and and um, meet with their physician and see how the progress is going. So they can't just the so they can't just walk into a doctor's office and say, "Doc, I want to die today." You can't do that. No, of course not. Not it. Not at all. Which which goes to exactly to uh, the letter that you had received, or um, however that correspondence from the other physician, you know, to weed out the individuals, you know, the the categories that he saw as people mm-hmm. who would eventually come to their senses, you know, whatever uh, malady was wrong with them, if it was a uh, a psychological issue, overcome it, and uh, be able to move on with their lives and be productive citizens, which is good to go. Is, are there but any people estimates? Do have, people do have terminal illness, by all means, you know, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a proponent of that, uh, just as I'm a proponent with anything, uh, any substance that will relieve people's pain. You know, someone shouldn't have to suffer, by all means. Absolutely. So, I think it's barbaric. The choice, but the choice is theirs. It's not to make. And yep. my advice to people who are worried about that is, you know, Consult with your lawyer. Have yourself a, a living will so that you're, and make sure that your family knows about it and that your primary care physician knows about it. That way you're, uh, you're covered. In the event of something happening to you, your decisions and your wishes will be made clear to the state and to your physician. All good advice. I think it's barbaric for people to stop uh, others from ending their own lives. If they're in a terminal state of illness, if they're in pain, uh, they should have the right to make those decisions for themselves. And I think it's awful that anybody would oppose such things. And I'm glad you called tonight. Any other thoughts for us? Um, yes, I did have a thought. Um, maybe you can answer it. What would be? I agree with a lot. Uh, a lot of what I hear on your show and. Uh, Obviously, I'm not in a position to take a formal stance of activism. Well, I, I guess I could, but I, I have a lot to lose. Okay. Um, what what can what can citizens, uh, you know, citizens like myself, uh, professionals and things like that, do to contribute to the cause um, without, you know, I certainly don't want to lose my license. Oh yeah, yeah. You want to you want to be able to help out the activist movement without actually putting yourself on the line, and it's something that has been. Well, I'd of- like to do some activism too that wouldn't put me at odds necessarily with the uh, with the law. Well, I mean, you could. Well, one of the safe ways to do activism is to do politics, but uh, that's not even necessarily safe because then you're still playing in the realm of uh, the the political class, and if they decide they don't like you for whatever reason, they can still come after you. So, if you really want to be safe and keep your head down below water, there are ways that you can help well, out. I think simply speaking out is a big thing. Telling, I, mean, I, I say, withdraw your moral support from the violent institutions. You know, which is essential. Yeah, speak to your friends and family, but you you know you can also attend protests it's theoretically still completely legal to express yourself in this country right uh, and so you do that to the fullest extent that you can and those sorts of things you know uh 
most sane people are will still come to your defense and say you are allowed to speak your mind, however outrageous your opinions might be. You know, outrageous being a you know relative thing, of course. <clears throat> but uh, I I, th- I think that's the first p- first thing that everyone does. I mean, we all, we all have our comfort level. We all have uh, we have things to lose. We have uh, you know reasons why we don't necessarily go out on the limb to the extent that say someone like a Lauren Canario goes or something like that. Um, and that's understandable. We all have to find our comfort level, and you might find your comfort level expanding it over time. That's true. But, but one of the things that that we should all we should all get to, I think every single person should get to the point where they can ex- they feel like they can express themselves honestly and openly about what they really believe. And that's uh, and you know if we don't all do that to the fullest extent that we can, we're going to lose that as well. I mean, it's going to become you're going to be under threat of violence just for expressing yourself. Uh, if you do, if you don't stand up in Judge Burke's courtroom. You will be punished, and that he, you know, you are going to be punished for expressing yourself. For if you say, "I do not approve of this court," "I don't respect this court," you will be punished for saying that. Effectively, it's essentially what you're saying when you don't stand in his courtroom. And so, that, to me, that's something that, uh, you know, there's things that we should stand up for, and freedom of speech has to be, you know, number one on that list. I like where you say, "Take it," you know, "take it by uh, starting by speaking out and, and talking about liberty with the people that you know." That's a really great thing. Uh, but maybe he's not ready to go to a protest. And be seen and actually be uh, be visible in this movement. And there are ways that you can be completely anonymous and completely invisible and still be a big help to the activist movement, specifically here in New Hampshire. And, uh, of course, I'm talking about the CD Evolution Fund, the Civil Disobedience Evolution Fund at cdevolution.org. Uh, it's a brand new fund that's been set up to allow people in your position, Chris, who may have a lot to lose, who may have a career that's very valuable and they've spent a lot of time and they, they just can't. They just don't feel as though they can come out of uh, you know the closet as a liberty-minded person. You can take uh, you know a, a, a little bit of money and send it over to cdevolution.org, and they're going to take that money and pass it on to the people that are doing this, this, the sitting in the courtroom, the people that are putting it on the line, the people that are taking a risk, possibly facing arrest for doing civil disobedience. And if you don't want to get behind the uh, cdevolution.org, you can uh, become a Free Talk Live amplifier for three bucks a month. You can send three dollars a month via PayPal or, or any major credit card to this show and we'll keep talking about liberty and we'll get on more radio stations and tell more people about freedom and so that's one of the other ways you can leverage uh, your money of course there are a variety of liberty oriented uh, websites and and organizations out there that I'm sure would be absolutely happy to take your money from you but obviously we're promoting the ones that we're most uh, in favor toward and that would be the Free Talk Live AMP program cdevolution.org and I'm sure Dale will take a few bucks over on his site at uh, anarchyinyourhead.com if you buy a t-shirt Outstanding. Thank you for your time, gentlemen. Thanks, Chris. 800-259-9231. And three bucks a month isn't a lot, especially for a doctor. Uh, Three bucks a month isn't a lot, but it makes a difference because when, as we do with Free Talk Live, we've got over five, I think about 550 people right now contributing to the AMP program. Well, when you have 100 or 500 people giving $3 a month, then it becomes a little more significant. Then it becomes something that we can do something with. We can buy some advertising. We can promote this show and get on more stations. And that's going to that's gonna result in more people coming across the ideas of liberty and more keep people discovering uh, other media like anarchyinyourhead.com or like Free Minds TV or like the Obscured Truth Network. So some of our, our friends and uh, affiliated shows that we like to promote on this show that just gives more people more exposure and brings more people into the fold and and of course the the more you listen to and read those particular sources the more ideas you'll be exposed to and like you say Dale maybe you'll start slowly coming along that continuum of taking step by step 
working toward becoming a more visible activist and ha- and feeling more comfortable with your viewpoint to the point where you're ready to express it to others and you get better at communicating it to others over time. Right. Now, you know, it's, it seems like when you think about uh, some, like Cato, the Cato Institute or one of these think tanks, can you imagine giving three bucks a month to them and what, what a pointless endeavor that would be? I mean, it would just... Three three bucks a month would just be such a drop in the bucket there. Whereas three bucks a month on Free Talk Live, well, it's a lot of bang for the buck. Yeah. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. How many new people has Cato reached in the last month, as compared to Free Talk Live? I don't know. I guess they get uh, spots on Fox News and things like that, so that might get some viewers. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Dale. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, Again, freetalklive.com. The features include updates, so you get signed up. We'll keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Just go to updates.freetalklive.com. Get on the list for free. That's updates. FreeTalkLive.com. Coming up here in March, Nashua, New Hampshire's Crown Plaza Hotel is where you want to be from March 5th through the 8th. It's going to be the 2009 Liberty Forum. It's put on by the Free State Project. It's a once-a-year event, probably the biggest liberty-oriented convention you've ever been to. And that's what it is, basically a convention-style atmosphere, all taking place the entire weekend, pretty much taking place in one hotel. Lots of speakers uh, which, by the way, the schedule, the early schedule, has been announced at this point. Uh, the speakers have been lined up. People like Glenn Jacobs. You might know him as WWE's Kane. He is a huge wrestling superstar, and he's a hell of a nice guy and a liberty-minded dude and a Free State Project member. He'll be speaking there. Dr. Mary Ruart, the author of Healing Our World. I believe she's going to be opening Sunday. I think she's going to be speaking Sunday or Saturday morning. I should really pull up the schedule before I make those statements. But uh, we are a hu- I'm a huge fan of Dr. Ruart, and I recommend her book highly. She's going to be there, so I really look forward to meeting her, hopefully getting her on the show. And a whole bunch of other speakers are going to be there. Richard Heller from the Heller versus D.C. gun decision from over the summertime in 2008. Uh, he made a lot of news, and he's going to be there. Plus, he's a Free State Project member. Will Buchanan from the Walk for Liberty. His walk is done. Spent 200-plus days walking across the country from Oregon to New Hampshire. He'll be there talking about his experience, and that, I think, is going to be a lot of fun. And there's so many other names here. I don't have time to go through them all. Uh, but you can go to freestateproject.org slash libertyforum, and you can get the full list of speakers. You can take a look at the schedule, and you can get registered. And I would point out that uh, apparently the registration, the early bird discount, is no longer available. So I believe that went away when they posted the schedule up there. So at this point, you will have to pay full price. However, you can still save yourself 10% by using our discount code, which is 2009FTL. That's 2009 F. TL. Now, you can buy the whole weekend, or you can just buy a one-day pass. So maybe you can't make it up here for the entire Liberty Forum. You can only come up for a Saturday or something like that. Uh, you, can, you can segment, you can a la carte, essentially, the purchases here. So you can really customize this to be an experience that would work best for you. Uh, so looking forward to the uh, the forum, looking forward to meeting a lot of you, because Free Talk Live will be broadcasting live every single night from the forum, and that's it was a lot of fun last year. I'm expecting it to be another good time. Dale, I think you said you're coming out this time? Absolutely, yeah. All right, that's going to be cool. And are you going to have a table? No. Okay. 
So, but if you want to get a T-shirt from Dale, you just have to talk to him. Yeah, just talk to me, and uh, I'll have some with me. I just won't have a table. I'm gonna be sitting at a table all weekend. <laughs> it looks like it's actually gonna run a little longer uh, this year than it did last year. I guess they just have that much more going on this time. There are more speakers this time, and so they just couldn't pack it all in. Uh, you're gonna have to make some cho- uh, some choices. I mean, do you want to go and see? Uh, do, do you want to go and see Pete Ayer from Bureau Crash, or do you want to come to the media panel? That's going to be a tough choice for people, because Free Talk Live will be, uh, I think, moderating the, moderating the media panel. We're directly across from Pete Ayer? We're competing with Pete Ayer and David Berglund, the former Libertarian Party presidential candidate. I, I think I better go to the media panels myself. I like Pete Ayer, too. That's really tough. Yeah, he's a cool I've guy. read Berglund's book, and I uh, was just talking to Pete on the telephone today. Uh, so unfair. <laughs> Well, anyway, so you're going to have tough choices to make as an attendee sometimes at uh, some of the – but but in other times, you're not, it's not going to be really a tough choice, like Mark Stevens or the homeschooling panel. Well, I don't have kids, and so Mark Stevens, easy choice I'm there. interested in the homeschooling. Uh, and Dr. Mary Vruart will be opening up things on Sunday morning. She is the opening speaker there, so I think that's going to be a lot of fun. So come on out for the Liberty Forum, freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum. We'll see you there early March in Nashua, New Hampshire. Let's talk about the U.K. and their teeth. You might have heard things about people in Britain and their teeth. Nothing good, generally. Yeah, you don't ever hear good things about that. Well, why? Why don't you ever hear good things about teeth in Britain? Well, it's because the government handles dental care. It's because in Great Britain, in the U.K., the state is your dentist. Okay, they actually have dentists, but they're all working for the National Health Care Program. It's a socialized dental program. That explains a lot. It does. And uh, here in America, we've got great dental care because the dental business is not as heavily regulated as the regular doctor business. If you want to go into the realm of health care, being a veterinarian and being a dentist, I think, are two of the best areas to do it because it's just from my understanding it's not as highly regulated and of course less regulations means less barriers to entry less regulations means lower co- lower operating costs fewer damn it dentists always seem to be offering these perks to get you to come to their office like free whitening or you know discounts on really spe- you know things that are extra and above you know they're very fixing your cavities you know they they seem to want to you know give you these little extra things that are not absolutely essential that you might like mm-hmm. you know so that you'll come to their you know, get services from them. There are a lot of varieties out there. Some of them uh, advertise as sedation dentistry uh, because there are people that are scared of going to the dentist from having some drill guy with a drill back when they were kids uh, 20 or 30 years you, ago. You mean dentists are drugging people up for, for dental? They are. Oh, my God. Yeah, people are, are getting doped up uh, to go into the dental chair, and that's what some of them specialize in is come here and we'll put you out and you won't even know what happened to you. So there's a lot of competition in the dental field, but not in Great Britain. In Great Britain, it's all one-size-fits-all dental care, and there are there are waiting queues. And if you've got a toothache and you need to pull your tooth, well, some people will just reach in there with a pair of pliers in Great Britain. It's really awful. So what's the solution? Well, obviously, turning it over to the marketplace would be an easy solution, but you, the bureaucrats will never do that. They are in control, and they are not going to let go of that control. So according to BBC Radio... Uh, the story here, it might be a good place for a stag party or a cheap weekend away, but would you go all the way to Hungary just to get your teeth seen to? One company reckons it's the answer to sh- uh, shelling out hundreds or even thousands of pounds on treatment in the U.K. The Hungarian dentist travel company is spending the next week touring the country with a tent as their consultation room. Their first stop is a farm in Lincoln where the company is based. 
Patient Malcolm Bramwell said, if I had a tooth implant, it would cost 2100 pounds privately in Lincoln. So apparently you still can get private treatment, but they're so overwhelmed with people and there's so few of them. They're very expensive. He says, I'm with the NHS, National Health Service, but they don't do implants here. I see how much it uh, I'm here to see how much it would cost if I went to Hungary. The dental services in the UK are awful, he said. It's even worse in Lincoln. Going back a year ago, there were queues outside dentists, hundreds and hundreds of people waiting for dentists. This is typical of government programs. Yeah, we've been told, um, you know, that the the <clears throat> by uh, what was the gentleman's name that wrote the Little Brother book? The uh, Little Cor- Brother book. Oh, Cor- Cory Doctorow. Cory Doctorow. Yeah, um, and we were told by him that uh, everything's great. You just walk right in. They take care of you. Zip, zip, zip. Um, he was t- talking about his uh, experience. Talking about health care, I think. Yeah, he was talking about health care. But we talked about I, I asked him specifically, well, what about these stories I've read of people pulling their teeth out with pliers in, in Great Britain because the dentistry is so bad? And he's like, well, you know, that's not hasn't been my experience. You know, th- crazy. Th- Something to note about that, like when they talk about places that have socialized health care, if you talk to the majority of, popula- of the population, they think it's fine. Well, most people aren't having health problems. Most of them right. are, are nothing serious. It's the people who have serious health problems, something unusual, and those are the people that end up waiting sometimes too long to get treated. Exactly. Uh, they'll wait too long. The cancer grows too large. Uh, the tumor expands, and people die, and they make decisions about who gets to live and die. And so if they die, you don't get to interview that person. More coming up here. Uh, we'll more about the Britain, uh, British teeth situation, it's Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Dale. And Mark. Join us online, freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com, and those features include live streams, got a broadband version of the show, and a dial-up version as well. Oh, and a webcam, all free for you at listen.freetalklive.com. AdamEve.com has a special offer for you. Go to... AdamEve.com and get 50% off of one item when you type in FTL for the offer code at coupon checkout. Plus, with your order of $17 or more, they'll throw in a free gift. Get 50% off with offer code FTL at AdamEve.com. They uh, they have marital aids and uh, lingerie and all kinds of stuff, and it's delivered to you discreetly and quickly. So I hear. AdamEve.com. All right. 50% off. Use the, the code FTL. Of course. Is in free talk class. Yes. All right. 800-259-9231. Teeth in Great Britain. Not in, so, not in such great shape. And that's because the government is in charge of giving people dental care. Uh, as the BBC News is reporting, Radio News is reporting, one man says uh, this, is a, this is a man who spent who has been spending a lot of money on private care in Great Britain, because apparently private care is available, but it's very expensive. And who knows what the various different reasons for that are. Odds are very good that the the market is very restricted as far as getting into the private care business, because the government doesn't want to be upstaged. So there's probably very, very little competition. Or it's like public schools where uh, people say, well, you know, I'm already paying in taxes for this uh, dental care. I don't want to pay for it twice. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the same the, it's the same excuse that people use with, with private schools, even though they know their kids are going to get a superior education in the private school. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they, they 
humans don't want to pay for things twice. It makes perfectly good sense. So then they, you know, they try to work within the system because that's what they've been told to do. And right. the system isn't working and it takes a long time for things. to. So finally, when they do, do go to a, uh, a, a, a real dentist, uh, you know, a dentist that isn't a government dentist, coercive dentist. Mm-hmm. Well, then they've got a whole a big problem and require a great deal of attention. And that's why the dentists that are private are probably making a great deal of money. Well, yeah, and it's probably it's probably fairly difficult to become a private dentist in the UK simply because the government just doesn't want the competition. They just don't want the marketplace providing those services. But yet at the same time, I guarantee you the government guys are going to the private dentist, just like how the government people here in America tend to send their kids to private schools. They'll talk a good game about how they love public schools and how important public education is, but then you see them sending their kids to the private schools. So clearly they know where the real good education is as compared to what the government's offering. So I imagine some a similar situation in uh, the UK where, oh, well, you know, we're better, so we're going to go to the private dentist. Uh, and so the, the dental care in the private market is very expensive. That may have to do with regulations. Who knows what all the factors are? Maybe somebody who's in the UK can call in and, and enlighten us a bit here. But I imagine, uh, imagine there's very little competition. However, the marketplace is an amazing thing. And people in search of profit are willing to really go through, uh, to jump through some hoops in order to provide people with products and services. And the innovation is still there if it's allowed to some extent. And apparently, a Hungarian company has stepped in to the, the British marketplace and is offering essentially vacation dental trips. So let me get back into the story here from the BBC Radio. The inflatable tent is blue and white and looks a bit like an indoor bouncy castle. Dentist Dr. Frank Kahneman said, Today, we're only making estimates for patients. They need bridges, crowns, dental surgery, bone graft, those treatments. The consultation will cost you 15 pounds. And once you've checked out the dentist, well, once you've checked out, the dentist will discuss options for going to Hungary for the treatment. Gavin Burrow told Newsbeat, I'm here to sort my teeth out. I need three crowns, an extraction of my wisdom tooth, and gum treatment. Good Lord, he's in bad shape. When asked why he hasn't gone to an NHS dentist, he said... Because I can't find one nowhere. No one will have me. Now, why is that? But isn't dental care a right in Britain? It is, but it's only so a right it's... if you wait long enough and manage to find a doctor who has an opening. <laughs> this goes back to the whole, you know, resources appearing out of thin air because it's been mandated by yeah. law. And and the thing with government uh, dealing with resources is that even if they write down their laws, obviously they're not going to come out of thin air, and they can they can do their best to provide them. And I'm sure some of the people in the government dental program really care about people's teeth, and they, they want to help people, so they do their best. But the problem is, because they're the government, they're completely isolated from the marketplace. They're isolated from market signals, the basic signals, like supply and demand. So when there's a line of people outside their front door demanding uh, me- uh, dental care, nobody can... Just go and There's a bureaucracy they have to dig through to make right. the demand start to meet supply, and then you can't like, just run out and open up your own dental service to provide that uh, to supply that demand. You just can't do it because all you have to say is dentists. It turns dentists into DMV workers. The, they're not motivated yeah. in the same way that they are. The reason that your dentist gives you really great service and talks to you real nice and you know asks about your life and all that other stuff is because he's motivated to have you come back in and refer other people. He to doesn't want you going office. across the street. He knows that every time you walk in the door, cha-ching, you're worth money. Whereas these people, um, you know, these people here, they're bureaucrats. They're getting paid by the hour or by the patient um, in, in that case. And, and A flat fee. And, th- they yeah, know that there's right. a, 
uh, they're, yeah, they may be on salaries. I don't <laughs> I, it's, it's hard to say how they're getting paid, but they're not motivated in the same way. So the story says it's one of the reasons why every appointment at this makeshift dentist surgery on a farm is taken. There are not enough NHS dentists, so people are forced to go abroad or go private, which is a lot more expensive. Hungarian dentist travel said between 25 and 30 people go to Hungary with them every year. Manager Chris Hall said that people that are being quoted 10,000, 20,000, and 30,000 pounds for treatment in this country are going across and having it done in Hungary for 68% less than it's done there. So the, the the Hungarian dentists have jumped into the U.K. marketplace and said, hey, these private dentists here are charging you out the wazoo. Come on over. We'll make a trip out of it. You'll have a little vacation in Hungary and you'll get your teeth fixed. It's probably less regulations. They can do it a lot yep. cheaper there. And You still have to pay to get there and to stay there. However, there are flights going for as little as 10 pounds. Sandals been Yep. Sandals been to Hungary with the company before. She told Newsbeat, the original cost I was quoted was 20,000 pounds. It was up for a lot of work, and I ended up, even with my fares, only paying 8,000 pounds. So it can work out cheaper in some cases, but that's only if you have a private dentist in the U.K. The British Dental Association say there are over, more, there are over 600 more NHS dentists in the U.K. compared to last year. They're also investing 200 million pounds into the service this year. They advise against seeking... We have a blue ribbon panel on it. We'll uh, be taking care of this dental problem directly. Right. Don't worry. Yeah, come on. The government can't do anything right. It nope. doesn't matter if it's the United States government, the British government, the Hungarian government, any of these governments. Throwing the more money at it won't solve it. They don't you know, they don't operate into the same paradigm that we do. They're also uh, they advise against seeking treatment abroad because you won't get any aftercare. Chris said that's not true. He added it's unlikely, but if it uh, but if it does, then they're most wel- they're most welcome to come back to Hungary. But also, our portable dental theater will be in the country two days a week. <laughs> so they're offering aftercare. Yeah, and they're they're coming in with a, a dental theater and and helping people out. And I don't know if the Government's going to crack down on these guys, but as of right now, they're being allowed to operate. And they're I providing think a great. good service, so they probably will crack down on them. And it's competition. Yeah, exactly. and well, they don't want to be made look bad. Them, and, exactly. makes them look bad. And, the, and it's not hard to make the government look bad. And Which is, by the way, I'd like to point out one of the most, I think, potent weapons that we in the liberty movement have against them. Considering we're peaceful people, we're not using violence against the state, I think one of the most potent so-called weapons we can use is laughter. And we can point out how absolutely asinine the state is. And I think it's one of the things you do so well over at anarchyinyourhead.com, Dale, is you can really show how truly absurd the state is. Uh, and if we, if we can get more people laughing at the ludicrousness of the state, then that weakens them. It destroys their position of legitimacy in people's minds. Their, their, most, their biggest weapon is not their guns. I've said this before. It's their illusions. Mm. You shatter their illusions, then, then it, it, the rest falls apart. Absolutely. So I think that's one of the uh, the impo- most important things that we can possibly do. And of course, the other thing is take your calls about anything. Let's go to Dr. Patrick in Georgia. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, fellas. Hey. I just want to put my two cents in about, uh, I'm a doctor, and yes. uh, I want to put my two cents in about socialized medicine. By all means. Um, you know, what? I have a small cash practice because I, I just got sick of dealing with Medicare and Medicaid. Really? Um, and so you can go cash. So wait, do you take, before you continue, do you take insurance or straight cash, just cash only? Straight cash. 
All right, I want you to tell me more. Hang on, I'm going to bring you back. More with Dr. Patrick here in moments. His thoughts on socialized medicine. I love it when I hear about one of these doctors that has just basically opted out of all of the governmental payment programs and even opting out of the insurance programs. We'll find out why he made those choices here in moments. And take your calls as well. We can sneak you in 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up anything even in these remaining moments. Just enough time for your call if you make it right now. 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Dale. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. Features on the site we give away. So enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. And if you want to help support this show, you can learn how to promote Free Talk Live. Get this program into more ears around the world. Uh, There are a variety of different ways you can help us do that. Go to promote.freetalklive.com to get the list and see what ways are appealing to you. Most of them are completely free. That's promote.freetalklive.com as we go back to Dr. Patrick in Georgia. Dr. Patrick, who has was just beginning to tell us about uh, your thoughts on socialized medicine. You as a uh, medical doctor have rejected at this point, not a medical doctor, Mark. I'm sorry. Why are no, you shaking your head? I'm so, are you there? I'm, sorry, I'm a chiropractor. Chiropractor. I'm sorry. Uh, so you've rejected uh, the you, you've rejected insurance. You've rejected. Well, right. Yeah. Basically, the way the route's been going is back when insurance was good in the 80s and 90s, it wasn't that bad of a deal. But the more regulations got involved. Medicare sets the precedence, and then the insurance says, oh, well, Medicare is not going to pay you, so we don't have to either. True. And so every time the government does something and takes more away, they, the insurance follows suit by because they know they can get away with it. Yeah, interesting. So what happened was, you know, my collections, you can average out, you see all your patients on paper, and then you take all your expenses, and you can average out how much each patient costs and then how much you get per a visit. And I was making about I don't know, about $110 a visit, and by the time enough regulations went through, within three years, I think it was down to about $52 a visit. Wow. It dropped in half because of certain regulations and just what they wouldn't pay anymore. So it got to the point where it's just a really silly system. Now, hold on. A point of clarification. Were you profiting? Were you netting $110 per visit? Or was no, that, that's, that, that's, that's my cost. I mean, that's, that's what I was doing. That's your gross. Okay, so your costs were so, somewhere up. Yeah, okay. once, you, once you take taxes out, maybe, I think if you, you're shooting at like 25% of what you're actually collecting after all the overhead goes out with taxes, employees, and wow. everything else. Wait, 25%? I'm yeah. lost. 25% was what? 25% is what uh, goes into your pocket. What goes in your pocket out of a dollar, if you're lucky. Got it. Um, you know, that's if you're doing real well. So anyway, the numbers... <laughs> The point is, the more regulations, the worse it got. And um, what happened was a lot of doctors just, they got sick of dealing with, you know, you come in as a patient, me and you both contract on a price. You think I'm worth $100. Mm-hmm. And then some third party, two months later, in five states away, says, no, no, you're not worth $100. You're only worth $50. Now, me and you have already contracted for this price, but some other third party that's never met you is going to decide your health care. And that gets real old, you know. Um, and then what happens is they they tell the patient, "Oh, your doctor's ripping you off by fifty bucks. They're trying to they're they're charging you too much." You know what I'm saying? They yeah, go, oh, yeah. "It's not customary or reasonable." And so they make you the bad guy for trying to collect the money. Oh gosh! 
And, um, and, and then that's how, you know, like malpractice suits start is when you try to collect money and the, the, you know, it's always, it's funny when you look at the malpractice stuff, it's always money issues. Like you try to collect from a deadbeat patient, they're the ones that sue you. Hmm. You know, it's never like somebody that actually you deserve to be sued for. Does that make sense? Yeah, I see where you're coming from. Um, so anyway, a lot of doctors have just moved to cash completely where, they just threw their hands up and said, I'm only dealing with cash. You don't need all the employees to do all the paperwork. It's, it's a good move. Can, can I stop new... you there for just a moment? This is one of my favorite questions to ask people in the healthcare industry is how much of their day was spent doing paperwork. You just said that you had employees that essentially it was their job to do paperwork. Can you explain to me what kind of uh, per, you know, portion of your overhead? Did you actually have an entire uh, person at, or more than one person dealing with just paperwork? What kind of money was this costing you just dealing with the paperwork? All right. I had uh, seven employees. Two were on full-time paperwork, and then wow. one was outsourced. Where you know, like um, they would, because what happens is you, they'll call, and you're sitting on the phone with Medicare for 30 minutes trying to get one question answered. Yeah. So My 30 gosh. minutes is wasted, and you don't have any other choice. I mean, you either sit on that phone and or don't and get paid. Usually. Yeah. Or, or yeah, you don't fill out the paperwork. That's it. You right. don't, you they don't they the want money. you to not. They want to make the no, uh, the process as arduous as possible. The rules. <laughs> not pay you, yeah. They'll stall and be like, "We never arrived. We never got your paperwork." And you're like, oh, "Yeah, geez. I got a certified letter says that y'all picked it up this day. You got to certify everything because they'll they'll say three times they lost something." What a nightmare! It's just like dealing with any other bureaucracy. They don't want it's to. Awful. They don't want to talk to you. They have no interest in talking to you. Right. So once they've built that kind of uh, that apparatus where you only get twenty five cents on the dollar, and that you said that was if you're lucky, then you're like, well, let's see, it was a hundred bucks. For visit back in nineteen, you know, ninety two when I started doing this, and then they whittled it down to fifty. If I charge twenty, if I charge twenty five dollars per person, had just a little uh, storefront, uh, and you know, just took care of people myself, didn't have a receptionist or anything like that, and only took cash. If I charge twenty five or thirty dollars a visit, I'd be making what I was before. You're not, yeah, and it, you don't have to see nearly as many patients. You you net pretty much the same out of your pocket, and you don't have all the headaches of you know uh, of all the paperwork. Yeah, it seems so like it, a no brainer. So, how long have you it, been doing this great, for? That's gosh, about three years on that the cash, but it's small. You know, I don't I don't go full blown because you don't have to work as hard either. You know, it's just one of those things to step outside the system. The reason I'm calling though was that. They've always batted this around that when you go to socialized medicine, they're not going to allow doctors like us to exist Mm -mm. that are cash doctors. They will say you have to take the government's insurance, whatever they call it then, you know, Medicare, Medicaid, or whatever name they come up with it. You can't stay outside the system. If I decide to, I'm going to jail, you know. Yeah, that's how it is in Canada right now. That's exactly how it is. I talked to my buddies in Canada. They have to take people if they like it or not, and they have to lose money when they take people. They get paid $12 for a visit up there. Jeez. You know, I mean, how do you even do that? How do you keep the and, power on? Well, you... <laughs> <laughs> for, for the government, some of them. And it was just like, you know, for that sort of stuff, there's a lot of doctors out there that are just going to throw their hands up, and especially the good ones yep. are on cash. That's the biggest, one of the biggest problems. I mean, beyond all yeah. the inefficiencies and the lack of market signals and all the problems in, in, that you'll encounter with socialized medicine is why would anybody want to stay in the business anymore? The right. good guys are going to bail 12 out. Twelve bucks a visit? 
I mean, 12 bucks a visit, and you're keeping a receptionist on um, to do that? I mean, how many people do you have to see in a given day? Uh, at 12 bucks a visit, you have to see 20 people to get $75, 75,000, um, 20, 20 people a day for $75,000 a year net down. That doesn't, I mean, that doesn't talk about your space for rent. That doesn't talk about your electricity. That doesn't talk about your receptionist. I mean, my you God! Mean the state I'm sure there are other fees they get for specific through. things besides just a regular doctor. But, but, but even so, you know. Let's yeah, see. The yeah. thing is, and this is what I was talking about. You have a whole bunch of people who come in with minor problems. Your average person comes in, you know, and they they have a really bad cold. They think yeah. they might have strep throat. You assign them some antibiotics, and you send them out the door. And they can, you know, they can railroad people like that through. And most people are happy. But it's the cases, the horror stories you hear about Canada, you know, in Canada and things like that are people who needed a certain kind of, you know, a certain kind of surgery uh, by a certain time. And they're in a line waiting and they're in pain and their and their life is on hold while they're waiting to get a certain kind of surgery. And a lot of them they end might up be waiting traveling to America to get that done because in Canada. It's so, yeah, they might even be waiting to be seen by the specialist. And then once they're seen, then they have to wait again to actually have the surgery done. So first you it's, wait to be seen and assessed. Then you wait again. It's very misleading to just survey the population and say, are you happy with the healthcare system when most of the population is basically healthy most of the time? Yeah. Any other well, thoughts, Dr. That's Patrick? That's the issue. Is it, yeah, I was just going to say, if you guys, it's because everybody has this idea that you know, when I talk to people, oh, it'd be great if everybody's covered. But you're forcing doctors. To, you're basically legislating how I have to run my livelihood when you do that. And who are you to decide how I get to run my business? Men with guns. They're men with guns. Like you say, if you were to just run your business the way you wanted to, they'd come in and you'd be hurt. They would forcefully that's, stop that's you. Yeah. And, you know, and what you guys realize is whoever's voting for this stuff, you're going to be left with the crappiest doctors, the yep. ones that will put up with this stuff and work for nothing. Well, I hope that some of the, I hope that some of them at least will operate in the black market. I want a black market doctor if it ever comes to right. socialist health All the crappy do- doctors can then leave the prisons and then go work out for the regulars, regular folks. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I mean, you're just, you take more options away and add more legislation, and you wonder why health care stinks, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. How can you possibly expect a doctor to be good with that? Good call well, tonight, thank dude. You thank in. you. I really appreciate the expertise. Always good to hear from people on the inside of the industry. Yeah. Almost half of his staff was doing paperwork. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. And Three uh, out of seven people. When when you look at the uh, look at the amounts that they they changed what the uh, what what they were getting paid, it's crazy. It, it's nuts. It is nuts. You know, and I was in a socialized medicine uh, system. I was in prison for nine mm-hmm. years, and the doctors, some of them were great guys who really wanted to help. Some of them really stunk and almost killed me. My goodness. Well, uh, we're done for tonight. It has been Ian here with you. And Dale. And Mark. Returning tomorrow for the live Saturday edition. Join us then and online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.